Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everyone. This episode of An Eternity of Basketball is part of the Globally Ballin' Podcast Network, a subsidiary of the Globally Ballin' Media Network. For this show and other shows like it, such as the Globally Ballin' Podcast, as well as projects like it, such as original articles and video work, visit GloballyBallin.com now. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe to it, as well as give it a 5-star rating and a review. We appreciate it. Now, to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an eternity of basketball, and how do you like our new look for this episode, our first time on StreamYard, and it's also our first episode partnering up with Globally Ballin, the Globally Ballin Network. So thanks for coming aboard, guys. So many changes entering episode number 35 of An Eternity of Basketball. Thank you for joining us once again. So, ladies and gentlemen, we get the show on the road. My name is Noel Zarate, and as usually, alongside attorney Charlie Kuna and Sid Ventura and we're all wearing green, including the Laker boy over there. We're all wearing green today <laughs> in honor of our guest, uh, uh, in honor of our guest today, who is the first ever NBA and PBA champion. And we will uh, get the ball rolling now with Coach Glenn McDonald joining us all the way from California. Uh, good evening to you, Glenn, and uh, good morning from us here in the Philippines. Good, good evening, good morning. Glad to be on. <laughs> All right, Glenn, you know, thank you very much for, for joining us right here. And uh, we were talking before the show that you're still in touch with some of your former uh, PBA teammates and your coach, Tommy Manotto. Uh, first question I have for you is how are things going for you there in California with all this COVID stuff going down? Uh, actually, it's going pretty good overall. You know, um, you just kind of, kind of, you have to kind of pay attention to what's happening, follow rules. You know, like we mentioned, talked about before, I won't go through all that again. But, but um, you know, it's just, it's just some people don't want to. They think they're invincible. It's not nothing will happen to them. And then you're seeing all the critical situations that are happening to all so many people that you know it's like, come on, just at least try it. You know, try wear your mask. You know, stay, you know, keep your distance. But um, you know, like I said, some people are just stubborn, and then all of a sudden they realize that I should have done it, and it's too late. You know, so. Mm -hmm. But overall, you know, we're just. I get up every morning and go, you know, do some do walking every day. And my wife makes uh, masks. I help I help her with you know, selling a lot of masks, you know. So, but uh, overall, everything's going good, honestly. Well, you stay safe over there because this thing is an invisible enemy. So it's glad uh, we're glad to know that that you're doing fine. Before we get the show going, I'd like to just say I have a shout out to my uncle in City who's actually watching uh, Uncle Pete Cruz, who's watching us uh, today all the way from Carson City. Now, before Everything went down in the present. We will now take you back to the past, Glenn, and your humble beginnings in this sport of basketball. We'd like to know how you got started and uh, what made you love the sport. Ooh, that's a, that's a, you know, it's really funny because I think, you know, they asked me the other day, how's your memory? Now, now you take me really way back. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's what we do. That's what we do over here. Yep. 
But, you know, I really, I really didn't play a lot of basketball until I think around the eighth grade. You know, um, when I was younger, you know, I would play a little bit because my other friends were playing. And, and so, um, you know, I, was, I kind of got bounced around as far as you're moving from city to city. And, you know, my mother was, you know, I had a father who was living with us for a while. Then all of a sudden they broke off. So my mother was taking care of myself and my three sisters. So I was like the man in the house. I was the oldest. And so I had to, you know, get involved with that. So, you know, I was really more doing anything more so than anything was trying to take care of my sisters and then going to school. But then every now and then you get that free time where you can go out and play a little basketball or play softball or whatever you want to do in baseball. But um, I didn't really start playing until it was the eighth grade when I decided I wanted to start playing basketball because a friend of mine, well, he was older. He was in high school. And I used to watch him go. I would go watch him play. And I said, oh, I want to be like Ricky. You know, his name was Ricky Scott. I'll never forget. He passed and everything. But And um, when I was just getting ready to start playing, and my mother liked me to play sports. So what happened was all of a sudden she decides to move to California. We live in a little town called Kiwani, Illinois. And it's the hog capital of the world. You know, it's honestly hog capital, like hogs. And it's the hog capital of the world. And they used to have hog festivals and everything else. So we um, moved to California, and um, my punishment to her was I wasn't going to play sports. You know, I wasn't going to play organized sports anyway. I'd go on the playground and play. And finally, you know, I was, I was pr- pretty good, but people asked me, are well, you going to play in high school? Are you going to play this? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to play. And then one of my former, you know, one of my teammates that became one of my teammates, he was an All-American at Jefferson High School where I went. And he told me, well, you probably couldn't make our, our lowest team anyway. And right then I was like, are you kidding me? And so I went out for the team and, you know, and a couple guys there were wondering, what were you, why are you out here? And, and I said, I'm really out here because I'm going to take your spot, you know. And so and that was out of the 10th grade. And he was a senior that I used to talk all the time, all the time. And so finally when it was time for us to start playing, I was the one in the starting lineup and he was coming off the bench. And so that's where – it all kind of formed from there, and it kept going from that point on. Coach Glenn, wow. when did, did you, you have uh, any early influences? Uh, go ahead, Charlie. Go ahead. I was going to ask, uh, how tall were you already by that time when you were starting to play? Were you were you pretty tall already by that time? I was right at six feet. Okay. When I was thirteen. I was six feet tall. You know. So and then, um, you know, I used to watch. I had big hands. You know. So I know you're going to say influences, but. I had big hands, and I used to love to watch Connie Hawkins play. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I used to kind of okay. emulate him. I used to emulate him a lot. You know, I mean, I was a really one-handed player. You know, and um, that's how I kind of—he was the guy I kind of wanted to pattern my game like, and you know, I'd get the ball and take off with it. You know, and then you'd see me go up with one hand. It was one-hand jump shots, one-hand layups. <laughs> it didn't matter. Everything was one hand. <laughs> so, and at that time, also, I, I could only go right. You know, somebody tried to send me left, I can go one, one, two dribbles left, but I was so quick that I just switched it back over to the right and then I run everybody, you know. So, but I didn't have a lot of handle or anything like that at all, especially when I was younger. Okay. Well, uh, Coach, how, how did you uh, uh, end up uh, playing for uh, Long Beach State? No, well, okay, this, this is the crazy situation. I didn't know too much. No one in my, co- in my family went to college, okay. And so mother, father, okay. nobody went to nobody went to college, and so I'm start I start getting noticed from different schools, 
uh, Washington, Oregon, uh, Kansas, Maryland, just really getting a lot of big schools were coming after me. And I really didn't understand the process at that time anyway. But uh, my coach, he was um, uh, telling me that certain schools were trying to get in touch with me. And then, you know, of course, I've heard of all these other schools and watching on TV, but they said Long Beach State. And I'm like, I've never heard of Long Beach State. Where is Long Beach? You know, I didn't know it was in California. Honestly, I swear I didn't. You know, and so right, you know, like 40 minutes down the freeway from where I lived, I had no clue because I was in that bubble in South Central, you know, the, you know, if you want to call it the hood or whatever you want to call it, but that's my, that was my area, you know, so I never really ventured too far out of that area. And so um, I started getting recruited and, um, and they kept sending me letters and they kept calling me. I'm like, who is this school? And so finally I heard about this guy, Jerry Tarkanian, and he was, uh, you know, he was at a junior college and then he came to Long Beach State and started making that team good. And um, I was in, in a situation that I hated UCLA. Because, you know, they just really? won all the time. I, I was one of those underdog kind of people. I hated UCLA. And people were saying that Long Beach State can possibly end up matching up with UCLA. And that was one of the big reasons why I ended up choosing Long Beach State, because I, I wanted to go to a school that had a, a legit chance of beating UCLA. And, you know, and they weren't really recruiting me hard. They were recruiting me, but they weren't really after me, after me. Like all the other schools, they really wanted me. And UCLA was like, ah. Uh, well, maybe, you know, that type of thing. So um, I was kind of, kind of annoyed with that because, of course, even though you might not want to go there, you still want them to show that they really want you. <laughs> All right. And so, uh, so, that, and so then it ended up being Long Beach State. And, um, you know, I, I, if I had to do it all over again, I would have done it all over again because, you know, I ended up having a great career there. I love the coaches there. You know, my teammates, we still keep in contact with each other. So it was a good situation for me. Well, Jerry Tarkanian is one of the all-time best, as we uh, as we know. But then eventually, uh, the the Boston Celtics picked you up in the '74 draft. You came in as the 17th overall pick. Were you surprised that the Boston uh, that you uh, went in the first round in that in that uh, draft, or were you expecting to be in the no, first I round? I, I honestly wasn't expecting it. You know, I um, I was fortunate. Um, I started knowing that I was going to probably get drafted by somebody. You know, right near the end of my junior year. A lot of people started kind of talking because my um, my role at Long Beach State was I was a defensive standout. Excuse me. Uh, okay. When I came out of high school, I was I was averaging around thirty points a game, and then I get to Long Beach State, and they've got big players that big time players already there that can score, and so I was barely at that time in your freshman year you had to play freshman basketball. You know, mm -hmm. you didn't go right. straight to the varsity, and so then when I did get to varsity. I was coming off the bench. Sometimes I play the whole game. Sometimes I play a couple minutes. It was just erratic. You never knew what was going to happen. And so we finally played against this team for uh, University of Pacific. And uh, they had this little guard named John Erickhart, you know, that was just, he could shoot the lights out. And um, he lit us up for like 36. And so we had to play them again at our place the next week. And um, I told Tark, I can guard that guy, you know, and sorry. And so then another All-American, uh, you know, this guy, Ed Ratliff, he goes, hey, coach, Mac can guard him. And so he mm -hmm. put me in the starting lineup that day, and he got six points. And from that point on, I was a defensive. <laughs> from that point on, I took over as a starting, you know, two guard, and I was a defensive specialist, and I went from there. And so uh, that's, that's, how, that's how that happened with that. But 
I got to start getting noticed because my senior year, Lute Olson came in and mm-hmm. he wanted, he remembered when I was in high school. So he was like, I want you to start scoring. So then my senior year, I averaged 17 points a game, but I was still a defensive player. And I think the scouts started seeing that I, I kind of blink, go both, both ways. It never came out of the games unless I was in foul trouble because the coach really relied on me being out there running the team. And so that's really how everything happened. You know, all of a sudden I get drafted by the Celsius, the team I hated because they won all the time. How did your career at, uh, at Long Beach State go? I mean, how did the team do when you were there? And then how did you do, particularly against UCLA? Did you ever get to play against that team from UCLA? Yeah, we lost them by one. Okay. We lost oh. them. Yeah, we did. We lost them by one point. Then the second time we played them, we ended up losing to them about 14 or something like that. But um, the career we lost, I lost, I was just, I just looked at something the other day. I forgot what our record was overall. It's something like nine games we lost or something like that. I know we never lost at home. Mm-hmm. We, we, we never lost at home. There was no way someone was coming in there beating us in our place. And then um, my senior year, we lost, we were 24 and two. And we lost to Marquette at Marquette and Colorado at Colorado, both by one point. Mm-hmm. So, um, so wow. we, you know, we, we, had a, we had a great career. We had a great – but my senior year, we couldn't go to the tournament. We couldn't okay. go we – were tw- we were 24-2, and two, but we couldn't go to the NCAA tournament because the NCAA came in and said that Tarkani had done a lot of violating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> – Anyway, but <laughs> yeah, but but how, how was it? How, what was it like, Coach Glenn, to play against that UCLA team? I mean, there were superstars on that team in the early seventies. That was part of their run uh, under yeah. under John Wooden. Can you tell us what the experience was like to be maybe at? I don't, did you play at Pauley Pavilion? Were, were you able to experience that whole thing uh, with all well, those superstars? We never, we, we never played them in the regular season. Okay. You know, remember, and during that time, in the in the NCAA tournament, they would bunch everybody in your region only, you know, where mm-hmm. now, you know, if it was, if it was, if it would have been now, it could have been UCLA and Long Beach in the finals because they, they might put us in the East and something like that. But during that time, the West, they were West. And so you lose to UCLA, you're done, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, it was a, a different, it was just a different situation, but playing against them was, uh, it was, a, it was fun because first of all, we knew, everybody knew each other. You know, all the, you know, Bill Walton, you know, Jamal Wilkes, you know, all these guys. We all knew each other. We played in the summer. We all played together. We go to the park and play in the park. And we're like, hey, we're meeting at the park. We're down at this park. We all go down. So we all knew each other. We're just trying to get that bragging rights, you know, in mm-hmm. regards to the school against the school. So it, it was really not too much different in regards to when you play against them because we played so many times against them. It was just the organization. You know, you're playing against UCLA. You know, that was when you say UCLA, you're you're talking prime time. You mm-hmm. know, and so uh, yeah, and so, but to be as close as we were and lose a game, the one by one point, you know, that was pretty devastating right there. <laughs> it, it, it would have been yeah. really people to beat them. So, but that, that's how that's how it was, and that's how you know to this day UCLA, no matter who plays UCLA, they, they still want to beat UCLA. You know, it's yeah. just from the past. More exactly. than just like the Celtics and Lakers, just to beat them. You know, we want to beat them. So, 
Right, right. Yeah, you just want to put that sign, you know, that you run around Boston Garden, it says beat LA. In your case, it's beat UCLA. Yeah. Uh, sort of got used to that, I guess, right? But then, of course, Long Beach State treated you well, and you had a pretty good career there. And then you wind up with the Boston Celtics. And uh, what was it like being in that organization? You know, you said you hated the organization because they, they always won. But being in a winning organization like that must have been mind-boggling in your first day of practice. No, it, it was mind-boggling just when I first went there to negotiate the contract, just to see, first of all, to have to deal with Red Arbach, who was an idiot. You know, I mean, genius, but my God, he was something else. You know, and he knew he was he knew he was God in Boston. You know, there's nothing that I could say about Red Arbach, you know. And, you know, and you have to give him his, his credit because, you know, he developed something special in Boston. And, um, and then after he stopped coaching, he was still special in that front office, you know. So, but just to go there and, and then see the, the flags hanging, you know, the banners hanging up in the, in the garden and, and then just being in the garden, the old garden was it's unbelievable being in there, you know, just the fact that you're there with all that history, you know, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, my God, I'm, I'm at the Boston Garden and I'm getting ready mm-hmm. to play for it. I'm getting ready to play for the champions. So then your whole attitude just changes. I can get a ring. Maybe I can get a ring. So you know, you think you think like that. But the organization in general was first class. I mean, the, the, the coaching, you know, Tommy Heisen did a great job while he was coaching. And then, you know, he was my coach at that time. And then then you think about, you know, just the history and you see how the people there in Boston just love the Celtics. You know, I mean, it's not just the Celtics. You know, you, you have their hockey teams, you have their baseball teams, you, you know, they're just a sports town in general. And so mm-hmm. but then you're there representing the Celtic. And so, you know, you, you, you're you just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really hard to describe because, like you said, mind-boggling, it, it, it is that at the same, at the same point. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, when you were drafted, uh, before you were drafted, uh, did you have any inkling that uh, – the Celtics were gonna pick you, or was it a complete surprise? Because after all, I think 1974. Yes. Yeah. Then, when uh, when they drafted you, so no. uh, did you have a hint uh, beforehand, or was it a complete no, surprise? No, no, it was it was a big surprise. You know, it's the, I had a feeling that the Milwaukee Bucks was really interested in me. You know, mm-hmm. and so because then they ended up choosing after the Celtics. But I knew that they were looking at me, you know, seriously looking at me, but I had no clue. And then the ABA was going on, and I knew that uh, Memphis was looking at me in the, in the ABA as well. But um, I, even if I got drafted, you know, my, my thing was, I don't, I don't care how low I get drafted in the NBA. If I do, I'm not going to Memphis. I'm not, <laughs> not during those days. I'm not, you know, I don't think I could take that, you know. So just, just the way things are down there, you know, so um, – but my coach called me the day of the draft, my, one of my assistant coaches. And um, he said, Glenn, you just got drafted. You know, I said, oh, really? By who? He says, you got drafted first round to the Boston Celtics. I said, are you kidding me? I'll never forget <laughs> the conversation. I said, you kidding me? He said, no, it's Boston Celtics. And he was just really ecstatic about it. You know, I said, okay, coach, well, let me, I'll call you back because I'm in the middle of moving right now. <laughs> and, and he so said, didn't buy it. You didn't buy it, huh? <laughs> no, I know I, I did, but I was in the middle of moving. I was really, I was serious. I was like, I'm, I'm moving right now, so I'll call you back. He said, Did you hear what I just told you? 
And it, <laughs> and, and yeah, coach, but I, I, I said, but I have a load of stuff in the U-Haul and I'm going to take it over to my new apartment, you know, because I was just moving out of the place. He said, I cannot believe you. I said, okay, I'll call you back, coach. And I hung up and he was so pissed. He came, he came over to the other apartment and, and, and just ringed me. He said, don't you understand? There's a boss of something. Yeah. How many people get that opportunity? I'm like, like, like coach. like Johnny Most just now. You sounded like Johnny Most just now. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Coach, you know I don't get all excited about stuff. You know, he said, well, this is something you should be excited about. Your mother, I know, I know your mother's gonna be excited about it. your sisters. You know, and I said, okay, I said, you're right. Okay, you know something, you know, Coach, you're really, really right. So let's just talk about this right now. And so we sat down and talked, you know, about you know just the opportunities of playing behind John Havlicek and you know just you know playing at some point where if you had to with any place of JoJo White and Don Chaney and. You know, mm -hmm. just just we just talked about, you know, we just talked about things like that, you know, and so um, he he it was funny because Havlicek opened himself to me so quickly, you know, just said, hey, you know, I, I need to talk to you, you know, when I first got there for training camp, and um, he said anything you need to know, talk to me, you know, we'll talk about stuff, you know, and so right then I saw that these guys are all about a team about winning. You know, and Don Nelson was the same way. Um, Don Chaney, you know, I remember if you remember him, you know, but Don course, Chaney, yeah. you know, uh -huh. he was he was the same way. And he was, and Don Chaney was actually, his whole family, his 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 nephew is my priest at the, the church. You know, mm -hmm. I've been knowing him that long, you know. So it's, um, it, I don't know, it was just, it was just different. You know, it was just one of those kind of things that you, you really get caught up in and, it just worked out, you know. Yeah. You need you need to guys, tell us, you need to tell us, coach, about uh, about Coach Tommy Heinz and what kind of a person was he? Because he was a tough guy when he used to play back in the day. He was like an enforcer for the Celtics. But yeah. how was he as a coach? He, he okay as a coach. He tried to be an enforcer, okay. But <laughs> I think that he no no honestly he's still a team guy at the same time. I think he's an enforcer against other opponents. But he's a he's a team guy within his own team. So he used to really, you know, I really uh, appreciated him in the sense that he let his players dictate a lot of stuff that we were going to do. You know, I mean, he had his own system. You know, he liked to run, he liked to gun, you know, those type of things defensively. But when it got down to crunch time, a lot of times, you know, he's going to talk to his players. He's going to talk to Havlicek. He's going to talk to JoJo White, Paul Silas, all his veterans. You know, to find out, hey, which direction should we go? And that's what I appreciated about him, you know, Charlie Scott, you know, those kind of mm -hmm. people. And then, you know, you have the big redhead, Dave Collins. And Dave stepped in and said, no, let's don't, no, let's don't do that. Get the ball to so-and-so. And so he would listen, you know, he, he would listen. So you don't find a lot of coaches. I think you find so so many of those coaches nowadays that are a little bit better with the players, letting them be involved more. Uh, I know back in the day, the coaches, that was it. Coaches are going to do it. This is what you're going to do. And as simple as that. But as time has gone and gone, you see a lot of players, you wonder who really is the coach, you know, because <laughs> a lot of players are out there running things. So, but Tommy, you know, he was, he was good. Um, he, he knew how to get his people motivated, you know, this way he would talk to us. And, you know, I, I enjoyed him being my coach. So we're looking at a picture right now, actually, yeah. team. You got guys like Dave Collins, Paul Silas, they're, they're all there in front. Uh, you're, uh, Hondo's right there as well. Uh, Jojo White, Don Nelson. I mean, this is a special group of guys. When you got together with them in uh, in '74, of course, uh, 
uh, Golden State won the championship that year. But did you think, you know, we were just like, uh, you were just uh, like a few pieces away or probably just a few practices away from being an NBA champion caliber team? Yeah, you know, yeah. once the season got started, um, I thought we could win a championship that year. And uh, I think, I can't, you know, so I'm, now that's part I'm bad. I can't remember who actually knocked us out because when, when we lose, I, I don't think about stuff no more when, it, when I lose. It's like, okay, forget this thing, you know. But, you know, I really felt that we could have probably won that first year. And then, um, you know, and then the second year, you know, we were able to pull it. My second year, we were able to pull it out. But uh, there are a lot of good teams during that time. You know, like you said, well, you know, Golden State, Washington, you know, there's good teams. Philadelphia was always good. Even Buffalo during the time when, when Bob McAdoo was there and Randy Smith, the little guards. You know, mm-hmm. and, McMillan, and you know Jim McMillan, who was with the Lakers, but he was with them for a while. You know, they had a, a really potent team as well. You know, in Philadelphia, Daryl Dawkins, and uh, my God, you know they, they, <laughs> that man child. You know, so the, the East was pretty pretty tough at that time. You know, you know uh, the the thing that strikes me most about this photo, I think this is the only photo where you have thirty four and thirty three of the Celtics uh standing uh right next to each other because those those two numbers are retired and they're also the numbers of my two favorite celtics of all time of course larry bird and and uh, and uh, paul oh, pierce yeah, that's, that's yeah. jim hard and, and steve kaberski mm-hmm. yeah. yeah could we go through the entire uh uh roster uh, st- starting with the uh, the guy seated at front i think that's charlie scott number 11 right? charlie scott 11 Paul Silas, 35, and Dave Collins. Then, of course, the coaches and Red Arback. And then John Halachek, 17, Jojo White, 10. Don Nelson, number 19. And then you uh-huh. go up in the back, you know, at 42 is um, Jerome Anderson. 33 is Steve Kaberski. Then there's Jim Ard. And 31 is Tommy Boswell. And then 30 is Glenn McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then it's Kevin Stakem. Kevin Stakem was a uh-huh. uh, guard from Providence. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good That's guard. That's right. I think he ended up staying. I think he was in the league at least four or five years. I mean, he, he, he held mm-hmm. off pretty good. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But that front, that front row is a is a Hall of Famer front row, right there. <laughs> yes, it is. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they, they forgot to stick me in there though, but. <laughs> P- PBA Hall of Fame. PBA yeah, Hall of Fame. I, I'll take it. <laughs> so you're this yeah. young kid with all of these guys who had won championships before, uh, but you know your time was going to come because you're 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 supposed to be backing up John Havlicek, as you said. But whenever you got the minutes, did they before you checked into the game, the guys like Dave Cowens and and Don Nelson say, "Hey, kid, this is what you need to do." Did they, did they give you a little bit of an advice before you came in? No, the, the only time they would give me a little advice would be at practice or, you know, before the day before the game, you know, they, they'd tell me then, you know, hey, just be ready because you never know when your number's going to be called. You know, it's, it's Tommy. Tommy's kind of, you know, inconsistent sometimes, you know, so you might play tonight, you might not play tomorrow, you know, so you just mm-hmm. never know, but just be ready. That's all that. But when it's time to go in the game, uh, no, no one ever said anything to me. You know, it's like, Glenn, they, they, you know, Tommy would say, Matt, get in there, and I just get up and go, you know, so – my biggest issue was I kept getting hurt. All you know, I would play, and then I seemed like I was just coming around. Then I get injured. I get a hip pointer. I get a strained ankle. You know, and then I'd have to sit out for a while. Then you have to come back, and then you have to start all over again. 
And that's, uh, you know, because my, my rookie year, especially, I was getting good minutes, you know, but it's just, it was too inconsistent in regards to the, the health aspect, you know. Hey, Coach, yeah, I'd like to I'm ask, uh, can, can I just sit, can I just do this now because the picture is sure, sure, on, sure. on the screen? If, if I, I'm just going to say a name and then can you just tell us one sentence about that person? Charlie Scott. Quick as, quick as lightning, crazy as can be. Shoot the ball extremely well, you know, and then plays defense. But he's never going to be relentless, always going to make you make you work, always. Paul Silas. Paul Silas. Strong. One of my good friends. One of the best rebounders that's played the game. And very, very consistent. You know, you can rely on him and you know he's going to come through every night. How about the big red guy? Big red guy is a monster. Dave Cubs. For somebody six, you know, six nine, can do everything. You shoot the ball, rebound, extremely aggressive, and wants to win. Plays with passion every night. And then, of course, Hondo. Hondo, my Hondo, dad's favorite. The true professional. My favorite. <laughs> uh, he could he could run for days. Is it true? He could, the guy could run for days. They said. He ran for he could run forever. You know, he had an enlarged. They say he had an enlarged heart or whatever, but you know, he he if it was enlarged, you know, he took advantage of it. That's for sure. <laughs> just, a, just a true professional. You know, um, someone is going to be on everybody. Everybody's all American, all NBA. Any kind of team, he's going to be there just because of his attitude towards the game. And then just the last guy, just the silent guy, Jojo White. Enjoy, yeah, you, yeah. You, you called it too, the silent assassin. Uh, you know, he's um, every bit of a team player, but if he has to take over a game, he's going to take it over. All so, right. so uh, uh, Charlie, yeah. Charlie left out Don Nelson. I just wanted to ask, did, when you were with Don Nelson, did you have any inkling that one day he would be a successful NBA coach? No, not not. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I, I think a lot of it, just because of how Don was, you know, Don liked to drink his beers and, you know, I mean, I never thought that Don was a Have you he seen him lately? Player. Have you seen how he looks now? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have. I, I was hoping that I, I planned on going to, to uh, I told him that whenever I come to Maui, I'm coming by the house, you know, I'm going to find him, you know, because uh, I don't really keep in really contact, contact with him, but We'll always get someone who's seen him, and then they'll say, hey, Glenn, have you talked to Don? I'll say, no. So then they'll say, here, here's a number for him. But he changes his number all the time. So I say, I'll take, call him. And then after that, I can't get in touch with him anymore. But uh, he's in his own world. You know, I'll tell you what. But as you said, I never expected him. He is so successful. He was such a great coach. I loved watching him. When he started coaching, I was like, this man, he knows how to put it together. And then he played the way players want to play. Up and down, up yeah. and down. Shoot that ball. You know, get it. We're not wasting a bunch of time. We're not playing around with the clock. We're going to get the ball and we're going to go with it and score. That's simple as that. Well, so, he got that lucky shot. He got that lucky shot that bounced so yeah. high in the air. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that thing bounced back, didn't it? Yeah. It came straight down through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, but he, yeah he, he, he's, he's so, he is so, Don is so low-key. Well, he's really low-key now. But back then, he was so low-key. He just took it day at a time. That's just how he's always been. You know, Dave, yeah. Collins is the one that's, that's really he, – he's amazing. Because, you know, when, when I, the year that they cut me when I got released after we won the championship, 
Then they came back that year and they brought Sidney Wicks and Curtis Rowe in. Mm-hmm. I told Heinsohn when he let me go that those two are not Celtic players. You know, they're not team players. You know, I'm telling you, and I told him that when he let me go. And um, Dave, after a couple of practices and stuff, Dave, Dave actually quit the team. Collins, you know, mm-hmm. and he drove a taxi. He drove a taxi yeah. for about three months. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people didn't even know that that he drove a taxi just so he didn't have to deal with being around them, you know. And finally, everything happened, and then he got back with the team and stuff. But you know, he's a no nonsense kind of guy, Dave. You know, and 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 that's how Nelly was. They're just really low key guys. I used to tell them they were hippies. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Nelly, uh, of course, Nelly uh, popularized Nelly ball. That, that's what his coaching style. Uh, came to be known by right because he was so unorthodox. Uh, he did things right. uh, ahead of his time, right? So, uh, and uh, that's what, that's how he made his mark. And Cowens also was a, a coach for a, a while. But uh, my memory of Dave Cowens was, uh, I think he was he was called for a tiki tacky foul, and then uh, he he was incredulous. He he was very angry at the referee, and then. On the next play, he he like ran over the guy who he fouled, and really just leveled him. And then he looked at the referee and said, "Now that's now that's a foul." Yeah, that was uh, against, that was yeah, that was against Mike Newman from uh, from uh, the Nets. Houston Rock with that Houston. Oh, Rockets. Houston. Okay, Houston. Okay. I, I'll never forget that myself. I remember that. I I, I tell people about that all the time. <laughs> and, you know, if, if you want to do it, if you want to give him a foul, he's gonna let the referee know. That's a real foul. So it's too bad that the guy had to take the brunt from it, but what's this fault, right? But he, 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 man, he ran him over and deliberately just ran him over and then turned around to the ref and said, That's a foul. I'll never forget that. Oh my God. Yeah, I was looking at the 1974 75 season. You said you didn't remember what happened. Uh, you guys got eliminated by the Bullets, That's I think, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but the Bullets went on to lose to uh, Rick Barry and the Warriors in the in the finals. But uh, after that disappointing uh, title defense, '75. How, how did the team approach uh, the '75 '76 uh, season? Oh, from from the beginning, that you know, you can, especially the, the the veterans, the older guys, you could just see that. Excuse me. They felt that they gave gave the uh, championship up, and we're taking this championship no matter who we play this year. So you could tell it in practices, you know, the intensity in practice, the intensity, you know, just on the floor, you know, during regular season games. But um, they had in their mind that they, these guys, they, they were going to, they wanted that championship. They felt they gave it away, you know, the year before. And uh, I could see it even more so once we, the season, regular season was over, we went into the playoffs. Then people just really don't understand, at least during those days, they don't really understand how intensified practices become in the playoffs. And that's the practices because it's like you're going to, a, you're having war in practice just to get ready for playoffs. And I, I, you know, even the year before I saw it a little bit, but this that particular year, you could tell they wanted it so bad that you had to really be on your P's and Q's because you end up getting hurt out there. It was just <laughs> that, it was just that, physical during that time should we should we already we gotta, 
Yeah, sorry, Charlie. Uh, before we continue, uh, we just got a few fans here, a bunch of fans already, uh, saying hi to Glenn. Uh, of course, former PBA player Aldo Perez is also here. Um, uh, Boyet uh, also. Everybody's uh, uh, Ramon Diaz, uh, Tony Valenzuela, our top fans. So thank you very much for joining us very early this Jimmy morning. Jimmy Malanzala as well. Jimmy Malanzala yeah. as well, another former PBA player. That's a former guest on the show. Charlie, go ahead. You were saying. No, there's also some guys who are listening from Toronto. There's a, there's a guy who's tuned in from Missouri. You know, so they're all over the place uh, listening to, to Coach Glenn McDonald here on our show. Uh, anyway, I was, I was going to say, should we go right into it? Because we, we have to talk about what a lot of people say is the greatest game in NBA I think history. it's the greatest game ever, ever. Yes, right? in the NBA. Right? That, that, that was a game against the Phoenix Suns for the NBA uh, in the NBA championship. Uh, we have a video here that we want to share with you, Glenn. I'm sure you've seen this before. Maybe you can do your own annotation over Brent Musburger. <laughs> did the oh, well, yeah. Oh, look at that. Look at that. How old were you here? He's a youngster McDonald. That's what the that's what the announcer said. That's a great save, though. There you go. Every, every now and then. Uh -huh. Where do you get set? Jojo. Where's the overtime? The third overtime. Off to Jojo White on the penetration of McDonald. And a beautiful pass. And it was Glenn McDonald who made it 
like you're saying, do they ever say anything to you before you go into the game? Well, I told Steve because that was a power forward with Paul Sides. I said, Steve, Paul just fouled out. Get ready. You're getting ready to go in. And then all of a sudden, I hear Matt. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. So, so excuse my leg, but I just jump up. I'm like, okay. And so he goes, good, Matt. They're tired. Run them. You know, you're fresh. Run them. And so that's what the thing he knows. I, you know, that was something. Whenever we went places to play people, I go out on the court and they go, man, don't start that running all over the place. Because I used to run. I was just run. You know, they said, don't start all that running. So all the opponents always knew that Glenn liked to run. If you're going to guard Glenn, man, you got to be ready because he's going to run all night, you know. And so kind of mm-hmm. like like have a check, just run, you know, and um, get yourself positioned. Whereas John finally, at an earlier time, he had told me, Glenn, don't run just to run. Run with a purpose. Because I used to just run, you know. So, and I, de- I developed that knowing when to take off, when not to. But so when he told me to go in, he just said, run them, Mac, run them, you know. And so that's how with them being a little bit tired, you know, able to take advantage. But the fact was that, you know, like I tell my kids and my students and my kids that I coach, you know, be ready when your name's called, when your number's called, just be ready. You don't, you never know. You sit there pounding, then they call you, you don't know what's going on. So just pay attention defensively, pay attention to what they're doing offensively. So in case they call your name, you're ready. You know, so I was, I was just fortunate to, to be ready and, I was blessed that they called my name, you know, so, and it's, it's like you say, you know, it's a game that everybody talks about, you know, the best game ever played and, and I'm in that game. That That's, mm-hmm. that's, it's fun to look back. You know, my, my grandson, my grandson, he just saw it the other day. My son uh, played it for him and he taped him while he was watching it because they live in Boston and he taped him while he was watching it and he would just go, they call me G. And he's like, go G, go G. Oh my God, good shot G. He's looking at it as if I'm playing right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, how did you How did you feel, Coach, when when Gar heard turned around and made that that big shot? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now that you know something, that's one of those kind of shots that you really kind of think they're gonna win this game. <laughs> It's one of those things that we had to come back out that locker room. You know, we thought, you know, we we, we had to come back out. We thought we won. Then he hits a shot like that. It's like, oh, man, this is it's kind of like it's destined. They're going to really win this game. You know, so but fortunately, you know, we kept playing and they kept playing. And we, you know, we were able to, you know, pull it through ourselves. But that was an unbelievable shot. And I keep looking at it. I I keep saying that if it has been now, we would have lost it because it was like a three-point shot. So, uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. right, that's right. So it's, so, yeah, that was. But in no that, even in that out. third overtime, you know, you guys, you guys were up six in that third overtime, thanks to you. But then it wasn't over because Paul Westfall no. scored back-to-back shots too. And you know, I was watching it, uh, and I said, you know, Paul Westfall is such a special player that he was actually trying to will the Suns back into the game. So when you talk about uh, Paul Westfall. And, and his impact on that team. Well, Paul Paul is one of the smartest basketball players I've known. You know, I've known Paul ever since he was at USC. And mm-hmm. uh, when he was when he was in high school, we used to hear about this guy because he played out in the Valley, you know, Paul Westfall, Paul Westfall. And, um, you know, he was averaging, you know, high points and, you know, his name was all over the place, but you never saw pictures of him. So most of, most of the guys, we all thought he was black. 
you know, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was doing too much, you know, and we just didn't think he was a white kid. Cause we're hearing about people him dunking on people and things like that, you know, and finally you meet him and it's like, damn, this kid, this is Paul, <laughs> you know? And so, um, but <laughs> he's just a student of the game, you know, he's a student of the game, extremely you know, skilled, you know, uh, uh, I just thought that you knew that it's not over when he has the ball because he was so creative. And that was the thing that he, that's why he left Boston because um, Boston wouldn't let him be like that man to be creative and go one-on-one a lot, those type of things, because that just wasn't Boston. Boston was a team player. They want you to move the ball, pass the ball, pass, cut, pass, cut, but not the one-on-one stuff. And that was Paul Westfall. He was a one-on-one guy, you know? And so that's what happened with him, why he ended up getting traded, you know, to him and Charlie Scott switched places and he went to Phoenix and Charlie came to Boston. And Charlie got to just kind of fit in a little bit better because he'd already been in the league a few more years. So he was just ready to come in and try to win. You know, so whatever he had to do to win the championship, Charlie Scott was going to try to do, you know. And him and JoJo became a very, very good tandem. And uh, But but Paul Westfall was just an amazing player. Uh, yes. an amazing player. Yeah. I mean, he almost single-handedly brought, to, brought you guys to a fourth overtime in that game. I mean, I thought it was going to happen. <laughs> and you actually had a key. You actually had a turnover that that led to one of his uh, one of those field goals, right? You know, you know something. I was wondering if you were going to say something about that or not. <laughs> <laughs> they had to bring it up. That's okay. You won the game. You won the game. <laughs> it's, it's okay. But but the guy Jim R. who threw me the pass. Every time I see him, he always goes, "Glenn, I'm so sorry about that pass." I'm like, man, I said, don't don't even worry about it. We still won. I said. And if I had been yeah. playing more, I said, if I had been playing more, maybe my legs would have been able to get me up a little higher. I, I don't know. But <laughs> he, he does every single, every game, every time I see him, he always brings that up. He goes, Glenn, man, I'm, I'm so sorry about that pass. So, but <laughs> even my kids around here in the area that watched and saw the tape and things like that, they'll go, Butterfinger. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> It was a strong pass. Yeah, yeah. I said, I said, oh, are you guys kidding me? I said, hey, but I do have a ring. And then they go, oh, okay, so you're going to go there. Yeah. Huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, just so a little bit of an update. Celtics are up. Yeah, Celtics are up right now against the Raptors, 32 to 16 in the second quarter. So Celtics doing well against the defending well, champs right now. You don't uh, jinx them. Yeah, but, yeah, you guys, <laughs> I'm not watching right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, eventually, you guys uh, closed out the uh, uh, the Suns. And what, what was uh, the feeling uh, winning that uh, NBA championship? You know, it was. It's, I think for me, it was just kind of like a numbness. You know, extremely, extremely happy, but not knowing what to do. You know, at the same time, because you know we were in Phoenix. So, you know, you're trying to, you want to celebrate, but you're not at home with all your fans. And, you know, so we, we did fly out that night. You know, we still got to fly out that night and got back to Boston. And then it was just, you know, just um, unbelievable, you know, winning that championship. You know, and then the, the people were at the airport for us. And, you know, then we ended up having, the, you know, the, the, the parade and everything. But just to win, just to win the whole thing is just, you know, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain because, not very many people get a chance to say that they're champions, you know, especially like the NBA champions. And then you 
you feel, you know, excited about that you were in the game, you had something to do with, you know, helping win the championship and to get to that position. And so, you know, it's just, you, you, you just, you're just excited, you know, you're just happy. And it just carries through through the whole time until the next season gets ready to start. Then you hopefully you can repeat. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, after what you guys I- won the championship, uh, yeah, go ahead, Charlie. No, I was going to say, so after, yeah, well, I was going to start on that same premise. After winning that championship, uh, so the next season comes along. But your NBA career doesn't last much longer after that, Coach, because uh, after a couple of seasons, you find yourself going to the Philippines. So how did that come about? Okay, that, that that's a, a situation that we came back. Okay, we won a championship. Mm-hmm. I come back to Long Beach, get married, go back to Boston, and get cut. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just got married. Yeah. I just promised these people. I just promised her parents I'm going to take care of her, and now I don't have a job? You know, what the hell is going on? You know, so, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm irritated at the time, but, you know, at the same time, I always, I always look at this like this. I always have always said, God's got a plan for everybody. So I, get, I got released. So you go ahead and be pissed off for a couple of days or whatever. But, you know, you have things to do. You can't just sit down and mope and not do anything. Mm-hmm. And so right. then Don Nelson asked me, you know, he, he told me to come to uh, – he was the assistant coach with the Bucks. So one of the players had gotten hurt. And so he wanted to know if I wanted to come there, you know, take his place. He's got Mad Dog Carter. If he wanted to, you know, if I wanted to take his place until uh, he got back from injury. So I went there for like two months, you know, with the, with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, – so I was there with Alex English, and, you know, Junior Bridgman, and you know, Quinn Buckner, that group. Mm-hmm. They were the young guys. Even I mean, not that much younger than me, but still. Uh, so I was there for a couple months with them, and then you know, once he got back, I got released, came back to uh, Long Beach, you know, and uh, when I got back here, I started um, delivering beer. You know, okay. I, I got to get a job. You know, I, I you know, I got to get a job. Because I didn't, I hadn't, I hadn't officially graduated from Long Beach State yet, you know. Because once, once I got drafted, it was like, oh, forget school, you know. And so I just stopped going to school, and so, uh, so I still needed more credits to actually get my degree. So I was, you know, just in school, and then I was um, delivering beer and, you know, working at a rec center and just doing anything I could to help take care of my wife, you know. So, and then um, I got a chance to, I had an opportunity to go to with the Denver Nuggets. Larry Brown had contacted me. I was gonna. I just got an offer to be uh, a recruiter for McDonnell Douglas, uh, you know, a, a big company here. And um, I turned that down because Larry Brown said he was gonna bring me there. But then I never heard heard from Larry Brown ever again. So now I don't get that chance. And then I turned down the job. That would have been a great job. And uh, then someone contacted me about. Um, I went to Sweden before I came to the Philippines. Okay. Yes. You know, and so the coach, the coach from Sweden, he was my freshman coach at Long Beach State. And he had been over in Sweden for, for a few years coaching. So he said, I heard that you got released. How about coming over here and playing for me? You know, so you don't hear it. So everybody's not saying what happened, what happened, what happened. So I told my wife, I said, you know, you want to go to our on a second honeymoon? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, uh, <laughs> the opportunity to go, I have an opportunity to go to Sweden. She said, oh, let's, let's do it. Let's do that. So we went over there for a year, and you know we were the uh, sweet, we were the Swedish, uh, the Swedish champions 
and we ended up taking third in the Europa Cup, you know. And so um, then this guy Lee Haven, he played in the Philippines. He contacted me one day and said, "Glenn, you want to, you should go to the Philippines." I wasn't sure if I really wanted to go back to Europe or not, and uh, and so I said, "Go to the Philippines." And I'm you know not being disrespectful, but first thing I said was, "Man, I don't want to go play against no midgets. I just played in the NBA and over in Europe." He goes, no, no, it's not what you think. He says, it's not what you think. And he kept bugging me. He said, man, you need to try it. You need to, this guy from Utex Wranglers, you know, his name Walter Young, and he wants to, he heard about you, and he, you know, thinks that you'd fit in. And, you know, he said, and I've told him about you. So finally I talked to Walter, and he said, well, just come by, you know, I'll fly you out so you can see what, what it's all about. So when I got over there, you know, I get off the plane and I'm just like, my God, you know, this humidity is just killing me already. You know, it's just like, yo, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, the, the people were really nice and stuff. And so then I went to a couple practices and I went to, I think it was the first game I saw, I think it was like Toyota playing film and bank or somebody like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing Mo Fernandez and these guys dunking on Americans. I mean, this fast-paced game, and they're dunking on these guys. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I saw Crispa play because they had um, uh, Ainsley Truitt. I think he was playing with them. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. you know, and so I'm looking at Cesar, and I'm like, what is, who, who are these <laughs> kids? You know, and they're looking at me eye to eye. You know, I'm like, I'm just only six, basically 6'5". Six, and, you know, I'm looking at them eye to eye and Gadabin and stuff, and I'm like, they are dunking on people again. I'm like, you know something? This could be really fun. This could be interesting. <laughs> so, I, you know, I told Walter I would, I would, I would definitely I would come back because it looks like something I would enjoy doing. And uh, that, that's that's how I got over there. And, you know, it was just I, – I never I was never under contract the whole time I was there. It was just, you know, we just, you know, shaking hands and, you know, and that, that's how it was. But the first game was scary because we played against – uh, I forgot who we played against, but they're the last place team. And by halftime, I think I had like six points or something like that. You okay. know, and I'm like, oh, and we're losing. I'm like, oh, and they're the, oh, they're, they're the last, they were, they were the last place team in the league. And I'm like, oh, this is not, this not going to look good, <laughs> you know, because I just got back, but I had to play that same day. And, um, and then in the second half, I went for 36. You know, I ended up with 36, I ended up with like 36, 38 points, and we ended up winning the game. But, and so then it became a, a trend. You know, every game I was like down low in points, and then by the end of the game, by the second half, so they started calling me second half Matt. You know, that, that was like <laughs> a nickname for a while. But, uh, but, that's, but that's how I ended up getting over there. And, you know, and my guy, it was, it's, it's, it was a blessing, just put it that way. It was really a blessing. So, it, so coach, it wasn't Coach Tommy Manotok who actually uh, recruited you. It was actually Mr. Yu Yang himself. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. So I didn't. Well, that was a special team that you. Yeah, that was a special team you were with as well. You know, you had guys like uh, what the Fritz Gaston. I think what was uh, no, not Fritz Gaston. Sorry, Liming Bang. Um, uh, Boggs Adernado was already on that team, if I'm not no, mistaken. No, so, no, no. Oh. Boggs came later. Boggs came later. Yeah, yeah Boggs came later. Yeah, I'm talking about 1978, right? Did you yeah. know about the Crispa Toyota? Yeah, the, the Crispa Toyota, Chris Toyota were just dominating the league, and then Utex comes in and just steals a championship. What was that like? That was, um, 
it was amazing, you know, because I just, that's all I ever heard about was Chris Toyota, Chris Toyota, Chris Toyota. And then Snake, <laughs> Snake Jones was there. You know, uh -huh. he was my teammate mm -hmm. at that time. It was Snake. And Snake said, man, we got to beat these. That's all they do. Talk about CRISPR. CRISPR this, CRISPR that, Toyota this, Toyota that. We got to, you know, we got to take them out. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't really know who, what you're talking about, but, you know, okay, let's, let's do what we can do. And, I mean, he was a great teammate to have, you know. And then, you know, Lemon Bang, you know, and, and uh, Rudolph Kutch. And, you know, we, we had we had some pretty pretty solid players, mm -hmm. you know, to, you know, yeah. bat. even with Ricky Panetta, tiny little old Ricky Panetta. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He was a playmaker, uh, uh, just a bright, bright, smart guy, you know. And so yeah, here's um, a picture of that championship. Had, um, yeah, I think it's a Kutch and um, yeah, I can't. Remember. I'm trying to think of some of these other guys. Was Jimmy there? Jimmy Noblezada was he already? There? Yes, there you go. Yeah, Jimmy, right. Yeah, big time. <laughs> Jimmy was mm -hmm. um, yeah. a workman right there. He, he he didn't play. You know, you can put him on anybody. He gonna if he doesn't stop him. He's, they're gonna work hard for it. I tell you that because he's not letting nobody have anything. So well, there, there you are with your trophy. Is that, is that, oh, yeah, there you go. yeah, is that is that Jerry Sablani also on that team? Oh no, Sablani came in the eighties. Yeah, oh, it came in later. Yeah. So I'm trying to look yeah. at who I know from this group. There's Lobo. Etok. Oh yeah, Etok Lobo. Etok yeah. Lobo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I can't. I can't really make out. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit... it's a clipping. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. this was Roy, you, Roy, oh, Roy because Dallas. of Roy Dallas. Roy Dallas, Roy there Dallas. you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but because of this, Glenn, you actually made history by being the first NBA champion to win a PBA championship. Um, when you found out that you were the first one to ever do that, what was uh, what was your reaction? Oh, uh, you know something it was um. Because, like you said, I didn't know anything about that or anything, but mm -hmm. to come over there and do that, because I, I didn't try to reference the two, the NBA championship, PBA championship, until it happened. Then it's like, mm -hmm. damn, you know, won a championship in the States. I come over here to the Philippines, win a championship <laughs> in the Philippines. And then, then I find out that because Snake, I knew Snake had been, because Snake was a, with the Celtics a couple of years, you know, like training camp, mm -hmm. you know, and they kept saying, Glenn, you're the first person to win a championship, an NBA championship, a PBA championship, and then you're the first NBA player to come over here and do that. And I'm thinking about Snake, yeah. but then I realized, oh, he's never been in the league. He never played in mm -hmm. the league. You know, he, right, you know, he right, never right. got there, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, a kind of a, like a big honor within myself, you know, to say you know, I'm the first NBA player to play in both and win both, you know, titles. Mm -hmm. You know, we have been some of the fans on the on the comment uh, thread have said that the other players, uh, you have Romeo Frank and Rudy Hines. Yeah. There you also. go. Yeah. And, and, uh, here, Tony is also there, right? Yeah. Here's the yeah. complete roster from our and friend there. Jay Mercado. Romualdo Cabadin, Edward Camus, and Anthony Natalia, oh, Roy Deles, Romeo Frank, Rudy Hines, Rudolf Koch, Liming Beng, Renato Etoclobo, Alfonso Mora. Jimmy Noblesada okay. and Ricardo Pineda. I just, I Pineda. just, I just heard uh, Anthony Vasalia just passed away. Yeah, yeah, a couple he did. Of years Maybe, ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Okay. Even, even he Ricky was Pineda. Pineda. He yeah. was in the U.S. Oh, he was here. Okay. Yeah, Anthony Vasalia passed away. Oh, in the Ricky US. Pineda also. 
Yeah, he forgave me that. He had a he had a car accident. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you try to yeah. keep up with as much as you can, but time flies by so fast. Yeah. Well, well, that's the purpose yeah. of this show. That's the purpose of this show, actually. Now you start to get the names like Kabading, uh, uh, Noblesada. Now you're gonna try to look for these guys now, right? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> the truth too. Yeah. Uh huh. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them right down here in Southern California because they have the Filipino leagues and stuff. And, yeah. You know, uh huh. They, they still do a lot of the playing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about that guy. Let's, let's talk about that guy in the white T-shirt beside Snake Jones. Isn't that the coach? <laughs> That's Coach Tommy Manoto. So oh, you like playing for guys? You like playing for guys named Tommy, right? Yeah, Tommy <laughs> and now you have Tommy Manoto. That's good. Yeah, I like that. You know, at, at, that, at that time, Coach, you know, Tommy Manoto was a young, dynamic kind of guy. You know, he was just up and coming in the coaching ranks. What was your impression of this this young coach? That he knew what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, honestly, you know, I, I I never knew if he played really played basketball or anything like that. But when I listened to him, you know, just talk strategy, talk you know the the um, the intricacies of winning and losing, you know those type of things. I I see I could see that why he was where he was on the golf course, you know, because he was one of the better golfers over there and everything. Mm -hmm. And I could see he understood what it takes to be a winner. And so it really, to me, didn't really matter so much about if he really played the game. And I know, I know a whole lot of people have never played basketball, but they understand the game and could coach anybody, you know, because they just study it. And that's what, that's what he was. I think he was just a, a student of wanting to be a coach and, and what he could do if he had the right kind of players and get them to understand you know, the, the group dynamics. And I think that's what he did very, very, very well to let all of us understand that it takes a team to win. It's not about, you know, Glenn scoring 30 or Snake Jones scoring 30. You know, it's a team. And if we don't get the team to play together, that was something he really emphasized. If the team doesn't play together, we're not going to win. And that's what, you know, and they understood that and they, they worked hard at playing as a unit. So, you know, it, it was just a, certain critical situations, you know, they would usually go to the import. But mm -hmm. I know some of the guys, like, I know Bang, Lemon Bang, he was like, I can tell you, I don't have to go to the import. I can do this on my own. <laughs> that, right. that was his <laughs> Yeah, he was special. So, yes, very, very special, you know. So, and then Nobusada, if you give him the opportunity, you know, he, Jimmy, Jimmy was a very awkward player, you know, the way yeah, he was, his shot was like from yeah, here, right? Yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> I went through the basket, the way he would flare his legs and stuff, you know, you, you think he's going to hurt you himself. Uh, but he was strong. <laughs> yeah, he was extremely strong, you know. So, but Tommy had Tommy had good relationship with the players, you know, away from just on the court. And I think that was very important as well. But they, but the, the guys, they all respected Tommy, you know. And when you can get that, then you can definitely, you know, manage some stuff when, you, when you're trying to talk to them because they, they, you know they're listening. Yeah, well, well, Bang passed away also a couple of years ago as well. So, uh, Bang, uh, Ricky Pineda, and uh, Tony Dasalia are all probably watching this interview right now from up above. Uh, Love but, you guys. Love you. Yeah. So, so you win this championship. You're the first team not named Crispa and Toyota to win mm -hmm. a championship uh, in, in the PBA. Uh, and uh, when when you broke that streak, yeah, and it was a sweep too. It was a sweep, which is which is uh, which made it even sweeter. For you guys, what was the what were you what were the reactions after you accomplished what seemed to be something that was impossible? 
Um, well, especially for the the, the local players. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just saw that, that was that was it was devastating for them. You know, just the fact you know the three zero was there. It was it was a situation that we finally did it. Someone finally you know knocked them off, knocked one of the teams off. You know, with with me, it was it was exciting for me because just the fact that. I won an NBA championship and I understood that, but my contribution in the Philippines for that championship was much more, to me, more important, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. and so it was like, this was pretty much my team. And, you know, if, if I didn't do what I needed to do, then we weren't going to win. Where the NBA championship, if I didn't do what I, what I did or whatever, it, it might not have cost us a championship. You know, we still could have still pulled it off, but you know, that was important to me, you know, just the fact that, you know, I was the main culprit myself and, um, and Snake, you know, to get the, to get that championship. You you came in in an era, Coach, when the, the imports were, were giants, lots of guys much bigger than you because you were only just 6'5", as you said. Yep. How were you able right. to, to compete with, 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 yeah, yeah, with all these big guys? How, how did you find that those matchups and how were you able to be effective against all these big guys? Uh, I think basically just because I played against them all the time in the States, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it really wasn't that, it wasn't anything different. You know, the, the, the different part was like this picture you have when playing against somebody like uh, Jaworski, you know, he's you, you know, and he's strong. He, you know, he's not, he's not going to give you anything easy, you know? And so even though you're bigger and you try to post them up, you know, he's not going to let you allow you to do those things. <laughs> so those are the kind of people that, um, you know, it was difficult to play against sometimes. You know, when I go against the other Americans, you know, when, and a lot of the other Americans at the same time weren't going to play really, <clears throat> really hard because all they're thinking about doing is scoring. You know, they're just going to, mm-hmm. they're there. So the defense is like, well, you can score and I'll score. No, that I don't, but I don't play like that. I'm going I'm to try to play both ends, but, um, so it wasn't that big of a deal playing against the other Americans at all. You know, you have the, some mm-hmm. of the bigger guys, you know, um, like Larry McNeil, you know, and Gene Colson, and, you know, uh, Cyrus Mann. And, <laughs> Cyrus you know, Mann, uh, yeah. You know, you know, those those guys, you know, you got, and even Andy Fields, you know, you know, all those guys are big guys. But I didn't really have the snake would have to kind of deal with those more than I did. Or Aaron James <laughs> would have to deal with them more than I did. So uh, that, that it wasn't that big of an issue, but then as time went, the Filipinos started getting bigger. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I mean, you know, now you have a, a, a challenge because they're coming after you because they're gonna show that hey, I, I belong on this court just as well as, as much as you do. So, did, did did that guy in the middle of in this photo? Did he ever give you a karate chop on one of your forearms? He probably gave me karate chops so many different places. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I can guarantee that. If, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't him giving the cry to child, it was Tito Varela. Tito was being <laughs> Well, he is a karate guy. Yeah, yeah. Last time I came over there, he was refereeing. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. He oh, did yeah. for a few yeah, years. Last, I think you were last year in 1991, if I'm not mistaken. Was that right? Yeah, it's been a while, yeah. Mm-hmm. It has. Oh, no, sorry, 1997, 1997. Last One of your former teammates also became a referee, Rudy Hines. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, really? Yeah, Rudy did. Oh, Rudy wow. Hines Rudy Hines was in, was in the middle of one of the most controversial games uh, in the history of the league. He was the referee on that when uh, Anejo walked out, or one of the teams walked out of a championship. Uh, Rudy Hines oh, was the one of the referees in that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they walked out of a championship game. Just before yeah. halftime. <laughs> 
they they were first, yeah that was Jaworski's like, team that was Jaworski's yeah. team that walked out of a championship he was the playing coach 1990. yeah that's crazy well all that uh, controversial foul on one of the players and the who players got the, uh, <laughs> it was Rudy who, who called the who called the foul Kyle? Rudy teed someone up Rudy. No, no, yeah. No. yeah that was yeah. Rudy Rudy Hines Gandhi was already, I think, guy. He was gone by then. I know. Was he one of your favorite referees, Gandhi? Gandhi passed away a couple of years ago too. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone as well. He was amazing. He was amazing. Yeah, he would. He would be the trail referee on both sides of the court. He was. He was a character. He was a character. That's that's it. He was definitely the trail yeah. ref. I ain't no joke. <laughs> for both sides, too. Oh, nice man, yeah. though. Really nice yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so, so so Rudy got a lot of flack for that. He actually got death threats after that game when, when uh, Jaworski's team walked out of a championship. Uh, but he's okay now. I mean, he's doing well. He's one of our neighbors here in uh, where we stay. So uh, he's doing well. Yeah. Dude, so serious. my, my that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty serious though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The, was, the player hit him on the back of the head. The player he uh, called a technical uh, on hit him on the back yeah. of the head. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, the tensions were that high. So yeah, yeah, that, he ejected him, and then yeah. their import got five fouls in the second in the first half. I mean, it was a mess, really. That was nineteen ninety one. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, 990. Yeah, you're right, Sid. Sorry about that. Uh, this look at this: Jaworski, Toyota, and Utex. Now, you guys, Glenn, figured in what must have been if you had that triple overtime game against the Phoenix Suns. You were down four against Toyota with 16 seconds left in the 1980 Open Conference Championship. Can Take us back photo? to that one. Can yeah. we see the photo huh? of taking the free throws? Yeah, let, let's see that. Let's see that photo. Yeah, yeah I think he's he's got uh, from the from, you were you were down you were down four. No, the other uh, one, the not, other one, not, the other one, the other yeah, we were one. down four. You were the down one. Six, Yeah, you were down four. Seconds. Sixteen seconds left in the game against Toyota, and they were supposed yeah. to win the championship That's already. Right. This was it. This was it. So we we had some of your teammates here as our guests. We had Fritz Gaston over here. We actually had some Toyota guys. Uh, Francis Arnais, Abi King talking about uh, this game. So let's get it from the guy who actually set the game to overtime, Glenn McDonald. What happened in the final 16 seconds of this game? You know, you know something? You asked me if I, if I remember. That's the one thing I don't remember. <laughs> really? Really? Okay. I, I Are you remember, serious? I, no, no. Honestly, I remember, I remember stealing the ball. Okay? I remember it. But the 16 seconds, we're down four. I don't remember – who scored to put us down two? Aaron James. Aaron, Aaron James Aaron scored. James. Okay, see, yeah, that's Aaron how James. I was like, you know, but then Tommy wanted us to overplay. I remember we got in the huddle, he said, the game's not over yet. You know, and then he come out, we score. Then we go back in, you know, and all of a sudden Tommy's like, all we got to do is play defense, don't give up, don't give up. You know, we got to make sure we get help. We got to make sure we get help. And so Twardless, wait, I think it was Twardless took the ball out. Yeah, yeah, he did. Right, right. Yeah, and I was reading him because what I did, I remember I kind of shifted off. I think it was Arnaz, and I kind of went to the middle, 
And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm, I, I, I told myself, I'm going to steal this pass. I, I know they're going to throw it here. I'm, I got to steal this pass. And right when I said that, I saw the ball coming, and I just launched. I just lunged. I was like, I got to go get this thing. You know, and so um, then we go down, and I was hoping I could get to the basket, you know, and, and get fouled and score. But mm-hmm. the fact was, you know, he, he got me, put me to the line, which is a good, you know, what anybody should have done. And fortunately, I made both free throws and then fouled out in overtime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but Adornado lifted you in overtime. Pardon me? Adornado lifted you in overtime. Yeah, now he took over. He he took over quite a few different games. So, but uh, yeah, because I always keep trying to think, I think about that game a lot. You know, I always like, well, who was it that scored to put us down two? And I just, and I, and I always think it was Boggs, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was Aaron. So yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've just been, like I said, I've been really blessed in, in regards to the, the basketball <laughs> yeah. teams, and even when I was with the Sparks, you know, we won back-to-back championships. You know, I was just like, mm-hmm. yep. I've just been, I've just been fortunate, you know, and uh, I. I don't know. I, I try to put the work in. You know, that's one thing for sure. Yeah. Because it's not going to just yeah. come to you. So, but that game was that that, that game was amazing. You know, down six, down yeah. four with sixteen seconds. Yeah, I mean, and, and Andy Andy Fields cannot forget it yeah. until this day. It really <laughs> haunts him until now. He told us about it a few weeks ago. Although he was able to to get uh, some sort of payback the the year after, but it wasn't against uh, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 it really still haunts him. The worst game ever in his life, he said. Yeah, he said it was yeah. the worst loss. That's what he yeah, called it. Man, mm-hmm. well, I'm glad it was on that. <laughs> I wasn't on my side. It was, <laughs> it was pretty yeah. sweet yeah. for you, coach. He, he, yeah, Ramon Diaz just said he was 11. Time. Yeah, Ramon Diaz just said he was 11 when he watched that game, and he it still haunts him to this day. Actually, it haunts me and yeah. Sid because we were Toyota yeah, fans. We were, we were Toyota fans. <laughs> Yeah, uh, oh, I cried that night. Yeah, and he also recalls because he was trailing when, when you after you made that steal. I think it was Francis or Nice who fouled you, yes. uh, to send you to the line. It was Francis, uh, but Andy recalls uh, yelling to Francis, Don't foul him, I've got this because he said he was uh, gonna go up and block your shot, but uh, Francis didn't hear him and he, uh, he had to commit. He had to commit the foul to uh, prevent you from laying it up. But yeah, uh, that was Andy's uh, one big uh, regret. He said he he was ready to block your shot if Francis hadn't fouled you. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, that would have happened. We actually we actually saw the video. Uh, Fields was pretty close. Fields was pretty close oh, already. Yeah, yeah. But I see I see Coach Glenn shaking. He said, "No way, he's gonna block my shot, right?" <laughs> I'll tell you what. If I had really, if I feel he was gonna try, you know, I never really dunked, but I would have dunked that one. If, he had, if I had thought he was coming at it, I would have dunked that. I, it's like I always, tell my, I always tell my players, when you go into the hole, go for the dunk. You know, go for yeah. the dunk. If it's like they're going to go after you, go for the dunk because you're going to end up on the free throw line no matter what. You know, because they're going to foul you. you know, the majority of the time, you're going to get fouled when you're trying to block somebody's dunk. So I would, I still would have ended up dunking it or I would have been on that free throw line with, with Andy yeah. having two fouls, you know, with shooting two more free throws. No, but you know, Vanny, yeah, yeah. he would have been somebody that definitely could have probably done it though, because he mm-hmm. he, he had great timing. You know, jumped jumped very well, strong. Yeah. You know, 
you played coach from 78 to 83 in the Philippines. Who were the best imports uh, aside from yourself, in your opinion? Who were the guys who, were, who really impressed you? Oh, God. Um, from when I was playing. Well, I never played against Norman, so I'm trying to think who. Um, Lots of great Larry guys. McNeil. Your snake was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Larry, Bruce Kite yeah. King, Cyrus, Larry Bruce Kai King, Larry McNeil. Yeah, Larry McNeil, Larry Pounds, Mrs. Oh, um, Lou Massey. That's the one I was going to tell you. He was unbelievable. You know, for his for his size, what he could do. You know, uh -huh. because he was overweight. You know, and uh -huh. he just knew how he knew how to maneuver with his body. He was he, he could score. He could score against anybody. You know, mm -hmm. Sky King. You know, I was never really a big fan of his game. You mm -hmm. know, okay. Because I think I think it's just that he has so many. He didn't have to really put out as much. He has so many local players that could play. You know, yeah. with Jaworski, with with uh, Fernandez, with Arnaiz. You know, and they they kind of carried everything. And then Andy would do what he was supposed to do. Uh, you know, I mean, Sky King would do what he's supposed to do, but he just never. I was never impressed with mm -hmm. him really. And then okay. uh, David Payne was another one that was a good. I thought was a very good mm -hmm. player, but he wasn't on a very yeah. good team. But he was a good, you know, a good import. Right, right. You know, so but uh, but Lou Massey, he was he was the one that really for me, you know, that I just always felt he could just go, you know, he could just turn it on, turn it off when he wanted to. And then um, Lewis Brown, he was okay when mm -hmm. he had too many mental problems. You know, yeah. he, he was, there was always someone on his mind, you know, so. But I, I know as time went, you know, when you know we had a really good player with James Robinson, you know, but that was when I was yeah, coaching. yeah, there you go. You know, so yeah, you, know, you, you start getting, they start getting more advanced, you know, the players, you know, <laughs> then you guys ended up with uh, crazy Superman, you know, so uh, what was no. his name? Um, Billy Ray Bates. Billy Ray Bates. You know, yeah. So you know, you start getting more agile players and stuff, but this guy right here. See, uh -huh. he, he was like a local. He was like an import itself to me. I'm telling you, okay. he he could take over a game anytime he wanted to. Fernandez, I, I loved his game. You know, uh -huh. I, I I hated to guard him. He was just <laughs> he was, he, no, really, he was smart. You know, he, he didn't overdo anything. He just kind of pinpoint where he wanted to go, what he was going to do, and uh, so we used to have really good battles. But I, you know, I had the utmost respect for him as a basketball player. You know, so um, it's it's. Like I said, there are a lot of good players, but I, there wasn't anybody that overwhelmed me. Just put it that way, in, in regards to you know the different players. Even you know with, with within my own myself, I wasn't like the monster. You know, oh everybody hates to play against Glenn McDonald. You know, it wasn't, I don't think any other imports really felt that way about me. You know, mm -hmm. hopefully after I was finished with them, I there thinking about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have, a, I have a question about not not particularly this photo, but what you were teammates actually with Ramon Fernandez for one game. You guys went up against the Washington Bullets when they came over in 1979. Uh, I did an article about that the other day. I was looking for somebody to talk to uh, to who remembered that game. Uh, you were teammates with five imports there. You got Cyrus Mann, yourself. Um, I think it was Larry Pounds, Larry McNeil, and, uh, and Dean Tolson. Dean Tolson was also in that game. Then you had a bunch of locals, Rene Canan. Uh, Mon Fernandez, Apeco was also on that team. Do you have any recollection 
of going up against the, the Washington Bullets in that 1979 game? I, I don't, honestly. Uh, I, I, I hate to say that, but I really don't. Uh -huh. I've, I've thought about that game before, and I've always said, who was on that team? You know, I, I just I don't really remember. I remember when they came over and everything, but I just don't remember us playing against them, you know. And uh, at first I thought I was coaching the team. You know, then somebody said, no, you may be coaching them. The Lupin, the coach. Pardon me? The Lupin, baby. Maybe the Lupin, the Lupin was, was the coach. Yeah, no, I, I remember that much after afterwards, you know, but I don't remember the game. I just, something about that game. I don't <laughs> at all. Nobody remembers the game. Yeah, I talked oh, to Manny Paner. I talked to Ato Iko. Nobody remembers the game, actually. Oh, well, at least good. At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was the Washington Bullets. The, at least the Filipino yeah. players should have remembered I mean, it. My gosh, it's strange that, yeah, that no I'm, one I'm does. Sure you had, you, you, I'm sure Elvin Hayes set a pick on you yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You would have remembered he, he that. He probably did. He probably did. <laughs> I swear, I do not remember that game. I just remember when they came over, and I, and I remember that they played against a, 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 a local team but I don't. But I don't remember. I don't remember playing. I, re, I honestly don't. Yeah, the guy who had memories about that game was actually Rene Canet, of all people. <laughs> he actually <laughs> remembers that you were his teammate uh, on that on that game on that uh, on the game. That's crazy. That is, that's insane. <laughs> well, I believe, I'm glad I'm not the only one that remember it all. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, had no recollection playing in that game had, at all. Which is and that was really, the game, actually, Glenn, just to let you know that he and Bill Corzine almost got into it. When you guys Dave were Corzine. down 33, yeah, yeah, Dave him Corzine. and Bill Corzine, really? uh, Dave Corzine, rather, almost got into it. <laughs> hey, check out, check out this photo, Coach. This is Tommy talking to you, Lim, Snake, and Etok. That's a nice photo. Yeah. Look how young Tommy Manotok is there. I know, I know. <laughs> Tommy, he still looks good. You know, Tommy's in there, all that health food and everything. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. But but coach, there's a guy. There's a guy who's not in this photo, and you did mention him a while ago. He he, you played against him, I think, uh, when you were new here in the Philippines. And in 1980, he joined your team, number 33, Bogs Adornado. Oh, yeah. And and then so tell tell everyone what your impression was of this guy who just shot the lights out. That he was. They're one of the coolest players I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, he was so <laughs> under control, so calm, you know, and... There he is. There he is. He, he just pinpoint what he wants to do. He sets you up the way he wants to do it before he takes a shot. You know, he was never in a rush. And he just... When he came to join our team, it was like heaven, honestly, because <laughs> I, I'd heard about him. I hadn't really seen him, you know, really play a lot. But then he came, and at that time, I think when he first came, he came from an injury, I think. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know? mm -hmm. and, um, and then I started watching him in practice. And I'm like, God, this guy don't miss. You know, and he just he, – he reminded me of Oscar Robinson because he just took his time. You know, he set you he set the defense up, and then he just pull up and take the little shot. He pull up and shoot a little fade jump. You know, he gets you in the air because you have to respect his, You have to respect him. So he knew how to fake and get people in the air because they're going to go for it most of the time because it's like it's ball. They know he's going to go for the shot. And, you know, he was just very, very, very smart player. Very smart player. I loved playing with him. I was glad mm -hmm. he came, you know, so he could help do some, of that, do some damage. So yeah. and, and, it, and, yeah. it, and it paid off for us to get him. 
everyone bit into its pump fake. Everyone. Oh, they did. Yeah. Everybody. That's, yeah. that's yeah. so hard to avoid. <laughs> and when he joined you, when he joined you, he was already a two-time MVP, and he did win another one the year after. So, right. so, so three-time MVP. Uh, and he he deserved it. Uh huh. You know, the guy could just he could just straight out play, and he understood the game. See, he it wasn't just he was a scorer. He understood how to play the game of basketball. You know, even if people talk about he didn't play defense. When I when he was playing with me, Boggs played defense. You know, we talk about it all the time, Boggs. You know, just give us that little effort. I, we don't need to just give us the effort. You know, and so he would he would he could lock people down when he wanted to really do it. And I think he enjoyed being with this team and playing with the people he, people he was playing with, with him and, and you know, and living bang. And, you know, he enjoyed playing with everybody. And so he would work on both ends of the floor. But and then you also brought in, in, yeah, you also, you also got a guy by the name of Fritz Gaston was a, uh, was ahead of his time. He was a big guard. Yeah. Big guard, fast, aggressive, mm -hmm. energetic. It's crazy. It's really energetic. Oh, yeah. The, the energy is still there until now. He he could yeah. he could have talked he could have talked yes. to us for hours when he was guest yeah, he guested on our show. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, that, that, and, he, and he was another one. He studied the game. He was a student of basketball. You uh -huh. know, I mean, he understood how to play. He understood situations. You know, if he was coaching, he would be able to change. You know, he could adapt to what's going on, adjust the situation. You know, so. Chris was just energetic, and he just loved the game. He, he loved the game. When he first came, I don't know, that first year he came, he was wild. I was like, whoa, calm down, young man. <laughs> but we yeah, became, he came in in 1979, yeah. Yeah, but we became friends. You know, we, we, we uh -huh. really became friends, you know, and, uh, you know, and he, he took that and, and ran with it. He's just like, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Let's win. Let's do what we can to win. And, yeah. uh, so I, I appreciated him because you don't find it, you know, at that time, you don't know, you know how much a person really loves the game and he had a passion for the game. And, you know, so you, and you could definitely see it. Uh, One of your former teammates is watching right now. Oh, who is uh, sorry. sorry, no, yeah, Hill Cortez. Oh, Hill Cortez, yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you wind up being the coach of the team, uh, Glenn? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How did that okay. come about? Because remember after we won the first championship with CRISPR, then we came back and beat Toyota. And then that's when Tommy resigned after mm -hmm. we won against Toyota. So Walter were young and wanted to know if I wanted to, if I would, if I was interested in coaching. And I wanted to coach when I came back to the States, you know. And so he wanted me to be a player coach, coach and play. So I'm like, okay, let's let's try it. You know, we'll try that. And um, I don't even remember how well we did. If we did well, I don't remember. All I, all I remember is at the end of the season, I told him, what do you want me to do, coach or play? Because I said, Cause this is crazy. You know, <laughs> it's too crazy dealing with your, um, you know, your teammates. And, you know, your, these are your teammates. And all of a sudden, now you got to tell them what to do, why you don't, you know, that type of stuff. It just, it was too yeah, much. Yeah. It, it was really too much. And, um as much as you know, you don't try to hurt anybody's feelings. They're your friends, and you have to tell them when they're wrong and when they're not, they're not doing what I'm asking them to do. You know, this is not—it's not—it's it's not a diplomacy. It's like I want you to do this. You can't say, "Well, why don't I do it this way?" No, do it the way I want you to do. And these are these are my friends, so you know it was it was tough. And so then uh, the next year, 
I asked uh, Walter, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, what do you want to do? What would you rather do? I said, you know something? I'd rather coach because I want to coach when I get back to the United States. I said, so mm-hmm. I will start over here, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's how that whole thing came about. Yeah. The, the photo that's, yeah, that's uh, showing right now, there's an article that's written about uh, your appointment. Uh, you were actually the first uh, uh, foreign coach in the PBA uh, to be appointed. And it uh, naturally, it was met with some resistance uh, yeah. from some sectors, you know, because at that time, uh, some, some teams had just folded and a lot of coaches were out of jobs. And, you know, people were questioning why, why, don't, why didn't UTEX just get a... Well, one of the local coaches who lost their jobs. Uh, how did you handle that situation? I didn't pay attention to it. Uh, being being honest, that's just how, that's just how I am. You know, it, it, you know, there's nothing. There's really nothing I could could, could have done because this this decision was made. You know, and I understand. I understood at that time too that they could have picked up somebody else. You know, but mm-hmm. I think I looked at it the fact that I had a good relationship with the players. And, and, and Walter wanted someone that could relate to them right away. And so I think that's one of the big reasons why, you know, I was able to just say, I mean, he was able to say, I'm going to make Glenn just a coach and leave it as that. And after that, you know, I knew that there was resentment, but, you know, there was nothing I could really do about it. So all I could do is just go in there and hopefully try to win some games where they really, because if I went in there and we, we just got destroyed, then there would be a big, big problems, you know. And, um, but I was never one that's, I never really read a lot of articles, you know, and, and to see, just like with any, even when I was a player, now to okay, what do they say about me? What do they say about? Me? So I don't, I don't really, never did that type of stuff. So a lot of things would be said that I had no clue was being said when someone came and told me. Mm-hmm. Coach, did you ever get into any arguments with your former teammates when you became their coach? Were there any run-ins? Oh uh, yeah, I had run-ins with Bang, Lemon Bang, you know. Uh, I had run-ins with, you know, with Fritz at times, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sada, you know, I'd had, you know, the thing because he thought he should be yeah, playing yeah. more than he was playing. So, I, you know, there was definitely going to be run-ins. But the thing that I always felt was that they still respected me. And, you know, because I tried to tell them the truth as much as possible. And um, and then we try to work around that and then keep going from there. You know, even, even with um, uh, uh, you know, you, you, the, the new players, when I bring in, you know, when I bring in uh, balls, I never had problems with, you know, but uh, Dallas, you know, he, he thought he should be playing more. Uh-huh. So it was just one of those kind of things. Yeah. You know? Everybody wants to play more, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. That's why. But then, I, then you, get, you, yeah, when, when you were coaching, then you needed an import. You went to your alma mater in Long, Long Beach State and you brought in. Lo and behold, Francois Weiss. Yeah, well, first I brought in John Casmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember you remember that. And, you know, because right, right. John, but John was a much better player than what he showed when he came to the Philippines. But I couldn't take, I couldn't afford to keep him over there. You know, it was like, you're not helping me. <laughs> and he was one of my best, you know, one of my best, best friends. He was in my wedding, everything, you know. But um, it's all about business, you know. So, you know, I'm not gonna make myself look bad just to, you know, to give my friend a job. I, I, I couldn't afford to do that. And you know, then then Francois came, and I was like, I'm bringing Francois in, and um, I'm gonna just turn him loose because <laughs> I I knew what he could do as a as a player, but in college they used him only on the post. But I knew just from playing pickup with him and things like that, going to the gym and 
that he that he can handle the ball. He can shoot the jump shot, you know. So he's a great passer. So when he came over to the Philippines, I just said, "Hey, look, I'm turning you loose. I want you to play the way we play when you go to the gym, when we go to the mm-hmm. playground, you know." And so, um, and he had, you know, what four years? I think he stayed over there. Yeah. And so and he, he did really, really well, and I'm, you know, yeah. I was I was blessed to get him to come over there, you know. So yeah. Well, you have you have something in common with him. Is this really Rene Canent now doing a, a yeah, comment? Yeah, yeah. Rene Canent. Yeah, uh, Glenn was one of the best imports I ever played against. Very heady player with the best bag shot. Very very smart player. That's from one of the greats, Rene Canent, oh, on you, uh, Glenn that's, McDonald. That's awesome. <laughs> so they they do they do remember you. That's yeah, awesome. they yeah, remember they you. Remember they remember you more than they remember the Washington Bullets. Imagine yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they were the champions. <laughs> yeah, they were. Exactly. No, but yeah, I, exactly. I, I was about to say. I was about to say yeah. you and Francois have something in common. You both have children that were born in the Philippines. That's how dedicated you were uh, being part of the Philippine basketball culture. I know, and I, and I was trying to get my son to come over there and play. You know, like Francois' son's over there now, isn't he? No, he played three no, he years played ago, here 2015, years. 2014. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was, you know, my son, he was thinking about, you know, I was going to try to get him over there. And then, um, you know, he ended up getting involved with, you know, he sells medical devices, which is which is good also. Uh-huh. Yeah. He had an opportunity to go when he, when he played at Stanford, and then he, he got a chance to get a little uh, trial with the Golden State. And, um, and so, but that didn't really work out. So he was getting ready to go to Greece and play on Greece. And then, you know, he had an opportunity to go to Greece. And then he's saying, well, Dad, why don't you look into the Philippines? You know, so I said, oh, okay, maybe I'll do that. But then Stanford stepped in and told him that if he wanted to get his master's degree, that they'd pay for it. And he's like, oh, hell, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get my master's. I said, he says, Dad, I said, don't, don't dad me. This is, your, this is your life, man. You don't have to play just because I played. And so um, he, he ended up getting this. Because he said, if I go over, overseas and play, I'm just going to use that money to get my master's. But this way, I said, well, this way you don't have to worry about that, you know. So mm-hmm. he got his master's, and then he's just been working, you know, so doing real well, doing real well. But, yeah, Francois' son, yeah, he was a good player, you know, mm-hmm. really solid. Yeah. That's his right. Daughter, yeah, Eric. Didn't, his daughter, didn't his daughter come over there and play? Yes. Yeah, his daughter, Bonita, the, the one who was born there, actually played yeah. as a, played a volleyball for the Philippine right, Super League exactly. here as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. That's how we got into yeah. Francois, actually. <laughs> My daughter, my daughter, yeah. played, you know, she she was born there, and then she played volleyball. <laughs> she said, "Okay, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, she played wow. volleyball at UW, at uh-huh. University of Washington." Uh-huh. So, well, all right. So, so after after your 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 PBA stint, I don't know, maybe even during when you were coaching already, did you have plans of thinking of, hey, you know what, Philippines is a pretty cool place. Why don't I just bring my family here and settle in? Did that ever cross your mind? You know something. Not really. The, re- the reason, you know, I think because of my um, family and, you know, and the close ties we had with, the, with my family and with my wife's family, <clears throat> my one thing we looked at was that we, um, we never really looked to see about the international schools over in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. If we had really, in, you know, looked into that, we might have stayed uh, longer, you know, because the schools are, are great. And we all we were thinking about was we're gonna go back so my son can start kindergarten in the states, you know, and that, that, so that was a big mistake on our part in, in that sense because I think that he was getting more out of you know uh, 
even though we had the yayas and all that kind of stuff, you know, you know, we were, we really were raising our kid, you know, and um, yeah. so, but we wanted him to start school in the states, and that's what um, we ended. That's why we ended up coming back. You know, it wasn't anything about the job or you know thing. And well, and, and I won't say that because I was ready to side kids. That wasn't a, a, a um, huh. uh, real good time with them. You know that uh -huh. ownership with that ownership and stuff. So I probably I was yeah. probably going to get out of there anyway. You know, just because of that group. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, so after Utex, you had that uh, brief stint with the uh, Sunkiss team, both as an import and uh, and as a coach. So yeah. apparently, it wasn't a very uh, good experience for you. No, no, not really. He just didn't seem like he people. Uh, I can't remember Danny. I think it was. The, the owner of the team, I forgot his name. I can't yeah. remember his name, but you know, he just wasn't serious. Yeah. You know? He just mm -hmm. wanted, you know, he just wanted the team to, so he could say he had a team, but you know, he didn't really care. And I, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to get involved with anything like that. Was, you know, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a strange year, coach, actually, because that team went from from being the Manhattan team to the Sunkiss team, then it became the Winston team, all in yeah. one year, and, and and it was it was strange. Like the like the ownership changed. Somewhere along the way, but how, how did you get that that job anyway? Because I was getting ready to leave. I was getting ready to, to, to you know, sign kids. And, you know, I mean, um, you texted said they're they're disbanding, uh -huh. and so right before I got ready to leave, they contacted me. Sign kids contacted me and said that they're looking for a coach. And would I be interested in you know staying around and being being involved? And at that point, I think I was supposed to be a player again. Uh -huh. You know, yeah. I think I, I think I played two or three games. Two games, two, two games. games. Okay, two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was uh -huh. it wasn't it wasn't a long stint, and you know, and then um, it's so bad I don't remember the players. I don't remember who I had uh -huh. on the team. That's how bad, it is, <laughs> honestly. You know, yeah. So yeah, but um, it, it turns out that you were the first playing coach actually in in the in the PBA <laughs> because of those two because of those two games. <laughs> You're the first because everybody talks about Sonny Jaworski as the pl playing coach and everything, but and but Norman Black a, also. Yeah. That was Norman the, Black. I was, too. The, yeah. I was the first playing coach when I played with Utah when I was when, with with Utex. I was a coach and player. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. A couple, couple oh, of yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that, so, that, that stint there wasn't. It wasn't. That wasn't happening. You know, and I, <laughs> and, and I didn't. I didn't really feel it. You know, it just it was just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the experiences with with that with that ownership was like okay. Even my wife was like, you know, so I, agree. I think this, this must be a sign that it's time for us to go. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It was the time. It was the time. Yeah. When you were coach, if you're the you're the coach now of Utex uh, in 1981, if you had the choice to choose three players from any of the other teams that you could get on Utex, who would who would they have been? Who? Probably. <laughs> Fernandez would be one. Atoy Cole would be another one. And then probably just because of the size. Because I had we had big guards because so I'd go with a Gadabin. Gadabin. Yeah, those okay. three. Those, those All right. three That's a pretty expensive acquisition. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to talk to the management. Right, right, right. Uh -huh. I have to, to talk to the league. I have to convince them that we can win the championship. We could be Toyota. Oh, you win! You definitely win. I, I guarantee oh, yeah. you that. Yeah, yeah. You, had you had bugs, and then you get those yeah. three. You're That's done. Exactly. You're made. Yeah. 
yeah. we asked that same question to Norman Black. Actually, he also mentioned Atoy Ko. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, he was, he was someone he, he would have wanted to play with. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, you you he, played against Atoy Ko. What, what was special about his game that stood out for you? First of all, he was fearless. That was one of the big things. And then he was awkward. He had he he, he had an awkward shot that you know he could pull up from anywhere off the dribble, just pull up and stop and just pull because he could stop on a dime. You know, so he was not not a lot of players could do that during that time. You know, and then you know he just. He had that will, and you can see it in his face that he believed any shot he shot was going to go up because he was just oh yeah unorthodox <laughs> the way he put you know certain shots he put up. So I oh, used yeah. to really, I used to love going you know you know going to the games if we didn't play and just watching him play. You know he was really a special player. He really was a special player. You know the, the person that's about- really you know the person that's really um, a really good player that people. Sometimes I feel that he didn't get enough credit with Cesar. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was about yeah. – you know, That's right. Because I think had, I was about to ask a question. Yeah, I was about to ask a question in that regard. Among the locals you faced in the PBA, who defended you the best? Uh, he was one. That, that, he was one for sure. You know, and then, like you said before, our friend, the referee, Tito. T- I used to have him. Oh, he, oh, my God. He did <laughs> yeah. not care. He would be all underneath you. He just I care. And then he'd, <laughs> yeah. he'd kill you. He'd swatch you or whatever. And then he'd go, sorry, Glenn. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, <laughs> yeah, but he played for you. He played for you for a bit, right, Glenn? Yeah, he played, he yeah. played on your team. Yeah. 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 But he'd say, sorry, Glenn. I said, no, you're not. You knew just what you were doing. <laughs> but, uh, going back to uh, Philip uh, Cesar, what, what, what made him a special player? Because he, he was he – was, I think he was really uh, one of the most patient players I've ever seen. You know, he, he very rarely, I mean, there, of course, all of us rush things at time, you know, certain times in, in games, but he really was always under control. You know, he just, um, he just understood how to play. He knew about spacing. You can see that, you know, he was always moving. He was one of those kind of players that didn't just stand around. He was always on the goal. So you had to always be aware of what he was doing. He was just, you know, just a special kind of player, and I just felt that, you know, I, I'd hear so much about so many other players, and I'd say they keep forgetting about Cesar. You know, even when we do scout, scout right. even when we do scouting reports, they talk about other players. I'm like, yeah, well, I know, I, I know who I'm thinking about. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, just to, just to add to that, coach, you know, we had Philip Cesar a couple of weeks ago on the show. And uh, the viewership was an all-time high when he was on the show. That's so good. just go to show you he's appreciated now by by those by everybody. That's, that's, that he deserves that too. That's that's good. Yeah. Yep. So so after your yeah yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead no no I was just saying after your stint in the PBA you went back you went back to the states and uh, did you get back into basketball for a bit or uh, did you find uh, a new direction? No. Oh, what happened? He'll be back. There you go. Are you good? Hello? You okay, Glenn? There yeah, you are, Coach. Yeah, we're still here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my question was after you, you left the Philippines. Yeah, go ahead. No, when I got back, you know, I got right into – well, first of all, I had to come back and get my degree. Okay, so I still had like three classes I had to take. So I came back, got back in school, 
you know, and then I was, I was involved with um, working at a, a gym. I was just working at open up a park and rec where they just play basketball. I just opened a gym for them and stuff, you know, and then I got involved with the men's basketball program as a part-time assistant because I couldn't be hired on as a full-time assistant because I didn't have a degree. <clears throat> so I was, so in the meantime, I was doing working with the, with the uh, basketball team here at the university and then working part-time and then working another job, you know, so I was just working, doing whatever I had to do, you know? And so um, then finally uh, I kept going, I said, you know something, I'm going to have to get a regular job, a real job because, I did this for two years with the men's basketball program before they could really hire me. And I was just, you know, everything I was had made overseas and everything else, you know, that money's constantly coming out your pocket. You don't you have anything putting back in the pocket. So I finally let them know I was going to uh, quit with them, with the men's program. And then the women's coach, because I was involved with, uh, you know, uh, with the men's program, the women's coach, she saw how it was with her players, always talking to her players and, telling different stories and things like that. She was losing one of her full-time assistants and I just got my degree. And so she asked me, would I be interested in coaching on the women's side? And that's when I said, Hey, it doesn't matter if it's monkeys, as long as it's, as long as it's basketball, I can coach it, you know? And so, so that's, that's funny. That's how I got Yeah. So, yeah, we just got a we just got a comment here. Um, it flashed on the screen just a bit. Um, thank you for the compliments, Glenn. Uh, you were my coach during my MVP season, and the same person is saying he's watching right now, and he just wants to say Glenn is a great player. We're talking about Bong Adornado. He's watching the show right now with his son Joma. There you go. I love it. And Bugs, you know, and, and Joma, please tell your dad, Joma, tell your dad, we, we'd love to have him on the show. So yes, if, yes, if he's yeah. open to coming on, you know, Glenn's been on, Rick Gaston has been on, Stevie Watson has been on. It's time Bugs Adornado comes on an Eternity of Basketball. That's Just wanted right. to yeah, put that yeah. in there, okay? That's right, Bugs. You'll be with some Yeah, we're going to get all the UTEX guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it, Bugs. I'm glad tell you, please I'm glad you tell your dad. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, he's actually, yes, he heard you're on, and then he's, you know, he's happy to be watching, I suppose, one of his former coaches and then imports. But, yeah. but, you know, coach, we, a lot of the imports we talked to in the past, we've talked to Norman Black, we talked to Francois Weiss, Andy Fields. They talked about the imports enjoying the nightlife in the Philippines and going out to the mm -hmm. discos and the bars. Did you, did you engage in that? Were you doing that as well? I mean, it's, it's, of course, it's nothing bad. Everybody has a, as an opportunity, of course, yeah, the party. Uh, as the right yeah. to have fun, No, right? no, no. It, it, it wasn't anything bad, you know. It, you know, I had my wife with me, so we go together. Uh -huh. <laughs> right, right, right. Because because there are there were I mean, there were some important privileges to go out at night. You know, oh, no, some no, of them, no. I'm sure. It, it, it was it was funny, you know. It was we used to go to. Uh, ah, I'm trying to think of the name of the disco we used to go to. Sil uh, the Stargazer. Stargazer. It's <laughs> the only place to go. <laughs> I, I like your smile cool. when you heard Stargazer, Coach. That was the place. Stargazer, we, we go lots, there. Lots of movies, I'm sure. You know, my wife really didn't like Stargazer. She, she, so you, we always talk, even to this day, we talk about, she goes, you used to give me money and send me to the, the floating casino. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. And then it I was, was there. there. 
And then I would come back and I'd be dancing or whatever. And she'd be standing there. And I'm like, what are you doing? She says, I lost my money. He's like, give her some more money. He says, you go back. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, just, just to interject right now, Joma Adornado, the, uh, the, uh, is saying now that his uh, the, the dad would like to come on. And great show, by the way. So, uh, Bogs Adornado, thanks to you, Glenn. Bogs Adornado is committed to be a guest on the show. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. That's perfect. Perfect. That's great. But no, the great. It was we go to those, you know, go to the disco, and it it was we just have fun. Sometimes, you know, we would just all go together. You get all the input because you know something that was the 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 the, uh, good thing about the PBA because it was in one city, and so all the imports were able to get to know each other and get to hang out with each other, and that was that was really really special, you know, because I know when I was in Mm -hmm. Sweden. I lived in, I was in Stockholm and then another American was like 200 miles away. You know, I mean, you might be in the same conference, but you don't see each other until games, you know, where in the Philippines, you know, you can always do things together, meet up at the hotels, you know, by the swimming pools or right, right. Just, just enjoy yourself, you know, get a chance to know some people. So, and then you, then you go to battle, you know, on the weekend or whatever the games, you go to battle and after that you, Hey, where are we going to go tonight after the game? You know, so it was good. It was fun, but we did hang out at those casinos at those uh, uh, discos. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of our besides, yeah, but besides the, the, yeah, yeah everybody's a stargazer fan uh, among among well, that, the, uh, the guys at least who played your generation. Well, that's when Bomb Bomb used to be a stargazer all the time. You that's know, true. Uh-huh. Yeah, he used to be there right, all the time, right. getting in trouble. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was a tough place to be. Glenn, but besides besides the stargazer, where did you guys like to get, like, go for lunch and stuff like that? I mean, do you have a, a favorite restaurant in the Philippines that you still remember until today? No, no, we used to hang out. I know we used to go to the peninsula a lot, you know. We used, we used to go over to the peninsula hotel and go okay. swimming. Yeah. Because, you know, because we lived in Marikina. So okay. Lived, that's that's quite uh-huh. a drive. That's quite yeah. a drive from Marikina yeah, to, to, to Makati. We lived in the compound, the Utex, Universal Textile Mills, the compound out there. I don't know if it's still there or what, mm-hmm. but you know that's where we were. So we were away from everybody. So we had to go into town, and it would take a little while, especially going down. Is it Etsy? Etsy? Etsy, yeah. Etsy, oh, I mean, that was ridiculous. Etsy, Etsy. That was crazy. It's still ridiculous. <laughs> so it's worse now. Oh. Yeah, really? it's even more ridiculous yeah. now. And I used to drive. I used to drive myself. You know, we had a driver, but I got tired of the driver knowing every place I'm going. You know, I'm like, so I started driving <laughs> some myself. I said, stay home. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna take the car. We're gonna, no, I'm gonna drive. No, that's okay. We're all right. You know, we, we, my wife and I, we're gonna go on our own. You know, so but uh, that that was man, that that was crazy getting around that place for. But it was fun, you know, but, but we really didn't get out a lot. We went to, I'm trying to think a little, you know, can we get, we, just mainly we just would go into town and just find some place to go. And then we always went downtown, to, you know, in Makati to, you know, buy material, you know, get, you know, to get some uh-huh. pants made, some shirts made and, you know, that type of stuff. But uh, never been a one to really go crazy running around. Even now, you know, I've always been still just like a homebody. I don't, my wife likes to cook, so we don't go out to too many restaurants every now and then because, you know, she's like, I can, I can, I can make that. I'm like, 
Why pay? Yeah, how about how about how about yeah. Filipino? How about Filipino food, coach? Do you remember yeah, anything that you like to eat? I'm sure you, you do. <laughs> we have a lumpia. We have. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. Uh, lechon. <laughs> uh, damn, what else? How about What's adobo? Yeah, no. Nah, not the adobo. I, mean, I, I, I have it. It's, it's okay. 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 No. No. Um, What's it called with the egg? None of that. Uh, what's the? What's the? They say delicacy with the egg, with the chicken no, in it. Balut. Balut. No balut. balut. Yeah. No, no, no balut, balut for you. Yeah. That's a duck egg. I was gonna try it one day. They, in recent years, they peel they it do back. That. Yeah, they do that. All the feathers and everything. I was like, oh no, that's okay. You know. So. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, that actually came out in Fear Factor. Uh, the old show. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the uh, one of the hosts oh, during one episode. It was part of the challenge. You have to oh. eat balut. So it, yeah, I, it, I can believe that on a fear factor show. I, yeah, I can believe they would do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here it's not. Here it's nothing. Everybody eats that. <laughs> I'm craving for it right now, actually. <laughs> no, but, but, <laughs> but when you were driving you around, did you ever drive yourself out of the city? Did you ever drive yourself out of Metro Manila? Goes to places like. Tagaytay, probably even drive yourself to the beach in Batangas or make it all the way to Baguio. I mean, where are the exotic places that you've been to in the Philippines? I've just been to really Baguio, been to Cebu, you know, um, uh, was it Tagaytay? What is it? Tagaytay. Tagaytay, Tagaytay, yeah. You know, so we've been a few places, but nothing, nothing real, never just really jumped out and went, you know, any place. We had a couple of places. I can't remember the names. There was a couple of places where they had, the, uh, you know, like the uh, waterfalls, and then you, you know, it's like a, uh, uh, like a rainforest. And then we get down to the end of the rainforest, and it's just a big opening, you know, where you, people can jump in the water and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I'm just not good at remembering names of places. That's that's probably here in the Lugan Taktak in Antipolo. That's probably or, where you went, or maybe so, somewhere uh, in Laguna. Yeah, yeah, or probably Laguna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be Laguna. Yeah. Or Pagsanan, yeah, or or Villa. Couple of hours there. away from Manila. Yeah. Hello, uh, Charlie. No, I just, I just, I just enjoy being there. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Well, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What are the memories that you're gonna take back uh, from your from your stint in the Philippines? And uh, yeah, you came back in 1997. That's been documented. You did watch Jaworski, uh, the Gordon's Gin game where Jaworski won a championship. How many times have you been back in the Philippines since you left? Oh God, we left in '83. We got back here maybe five times. '97 was when I came back for a wedding. I was I was my friends. Uh, this guy, uh, Rajan Sadwani, you know, mm -hmm. he was, I was his best man in his wedding. And so that's the last okay. time I've been back there. And so he's pissed off because he's been here a couple of times and I'm <laughs> favor and haven't been over there yet. So, but um, I don't know. The, 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 the biggest thing for me, you know, is just how the people treated me when I was there. You know, they, everybody was really genuine, you know, um, you, you wonder sometimes do they teach you that way because you're a, 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 a player, you know, but then 
I got a chance to meet a lot of people and it wasn't about me being a player. It was just about how I treated them and they treated me. We we received uh, respect from each other. And um, Mm -hmm. I just always felt that way about, you know, the Filipino, you know, the culture, just every place you go, you're going to have people that are ignorant people. You know, you have people that are causing problems, but then at the same time, you can't judge everybody from that. And I judge people in the way I've been treated by, by uh, different individuals because I've always said, you know, <clears throat> I treat people the way I would want people to treat me. And mm-hmm. so um, that's what I, I got from the Philippines, you know. So when I came over there and times I've been back, you know, it's been great. You know, there's been people, uh, the last time I came back, I had a couple, you know, interviews and stuff, you know, just to see, you know, it's like what you guys are doing now, just to see what is Glenn McDonald doing you know, now and it's, you know, later life or whatever away from the Philippines and it's been great, you know, but I, I just, I enjoy everybody over there. I had a great time and I, you know, that's why we were, I was telling, you know, I think I was telling tell Jay earlier that, uh, or Charles, I was saying that I'm going to, um, I was going to come to the Philippines. We were talking mm-hmm. about it coming in January, February, and then all this stuff popped up. So now my friend's mad again. So <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, it's, it was just—it was just great. It was—it was great. For I was glad I ended up going to the Philippines instead of going back over to Europe, and um, not worrying about this, the height of the Filipino players. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, when you're watching the NBA now, Glenn, um, when you watch the NBA, the NBA has restarted. Uh, thankfully, uh, good for them, right? But but when you watch the NBA now, the modern game, who reminds you of Glenn McDonald when you see them on the court? Yeah, like uh, like when you see this guy, you know this guy sort of plays like me. You can you can mention names like Steph Curry, Trey Young. I mean, it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Your height. <laughs> I can't think of anybody offhand. I really can't. <laughs> I mean, we'll come up nice with something. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice if it was Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't we all wish right, yeah, that we play like Steph Curry? Uh, Everyone wants to play that yeah. way. Huh? Just take shots from I'm, 30 feet out. Just, go, I'm, yeah. just going through the comments from the viewers right now, uh, uh, Glenn. Um, they're really, really funny. Some of them said, you know, before Ronald McDonald came to the Philippines, there was Glenn McDonald. So... That's then, true. Yeah. yeah. The two most popular before. McDonald's in the Philippines are Ronald McDonald and Glenn McDonald. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they really remember you. And then there's another one that said, the last time I saw Glenn on TV was when his house had a makeover. Uh, I forgot the title of the TV show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Monster, they, they came Monster, out on HGTV. Monster House. That's what it was called. Okay. Monster House. Okay. What, what year was this? Whoa, that was 80, wait, no, wait, I'm trying to think, my daughter was still, uh, <laughs> 2000, must have been like 2002, right around okay. there, yeah. Then, then, then there's another, yeah. there's a question here, How did you, did, did Mr. McDonald ever eat in Jollibee? <laughs> that's that's one sure of the questions here. Actually, yes, <laughs> for sure. All right. 
Those are the co- those are the competing. Uh... Yeah, you, you should uh, you should have had a picture, Glenn. Uh, you eating in Jollibee. I'm a McDonald's eating in Jollibee. <laughs> If I go, they have a Jollibee over here, Cerritos. Uh, 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 right, there. right. Yeah. So if I ever go yeah. in, I'm gonna send you a picture. Right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we'll wait for that. <laughs> yeah, any, any more for the comments? About your jersey. Yeah. yeah. About uh, because uh, one of our viewers noticed the jerseys behind you, and uh, is wondering if you have a Utex jersey, and if you don't, maybe someone could send over. One of your old Utex jerseys, so that you could also yeah, put it up on the I wall. Know. That'd be that'd be nice if someone could say something like that. Okay, that guys. Because I don't. Okay, followers. If you have a Utex jersey, we're gonna send it to Glenn. Yep. We'll send it to you. I'll definitely frame it if it comes. Yeah, so, yeah, there's so, a little uh, update here from yeah, the game, ahead. though. Very quickly, uh, yeah, Marlo Rivera, one of our reviewers, is also a diehard Celtics fan, said. The seas are up ninety-one fifty-seven against the Raptors right now. Defending so, champs. Okay. No, nothing. Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about more. Let's talk. Let's talk about more than things. We, uh, we, we, we yeah. need we need that kind of we need that kind of game right now because it's getting close. Uh, to these, these eight games uh, are going to yeah. be over in a minute, and they need to get. They've been playing two up and down. So yep. yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. Don't worry, Charlie. Charlie, your Lakers are the number one team in the West. Don't worry about it. They suck. They suck. <laughs> anyway, not, 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 they're not the number one team right now. Anyway, let's not talk yeah. about that. I just wanted to ask, Coach, okay, Coach, who we, are the we, who are the who are your closest buddies, uh, your closest yeah. friends that you made when you were here in the Philippines, in the PBA, and who are you still in contact with until now? Oh, you know something. Honestly, I was in contact with Bang and stuff before he passed away, and then, mm-hmm. but really, I haven't contacted anybody. So I think I talked to Boggs. One time, mm-hmm. and then the only person I really, really in contact with is um, is, is Tommy, you know, mm-hmm. Tommy, and then you know my friend Rajan. But uh, as far as uh, former players and stuff, not really. And then like every now and then, I might be able to get in touch with uh, <clears throat> Norman Black, you know. But mm-hmm. that's that's basically it. Mm-hmm. You know, and Lobo is over here. They talk Lobo. Yeah. He's over here, and you know, yeah. so you know, I talk to him briefly every now and then. Yeah, he'll he'll be coming on the show too soon. Oh, really? Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. his wife's on Facebook, so she's always sending me message messages and everything. So you know, I get a chance to know a little bit what they're doing. <clears throat> that's that's basically okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure if we if we hook you up with with Fritz Gaston or or Steve Watson, you know, those guys are so active you know, uh, nowadays here. Yeah, Fritz I and Steve. About Steve, I forgot about Steve. He was your he was yeah. a rookie in '82. Yeah, he was. He was a, your rookie. He was, yeah, he was a very interesting guy. Uh huh. He still is. He still is. He still okay. is. He was a riot when we had him. Yeah, you should watch uh, our interview. I think it was last week. Yeah, uh, it was one of the funniest interviews. Yeah, it was one of the funniest. You know. Yeah, we we opened the show. Charlie asked him, "What was the last time you wore a bandana?" And Steve said, "When he when he had hair." <laughs> that's that's the kind of guy he still is. He used to wear that bandana all the time. I used to think. No, that's right. That's why he's he's known as the bandana kid. Coach, yeah. you you remember yeah. you remember Bernie? You remember Bernie Fabiosa from Crispa? Yes. Yes. he's watching right now too. So he just uh, yeah, I just came out. Bernie Fabiosa watching. That's so nice. And, and I need, I need, I, yeah, he's based in LA. Yeah. So then I just need to ask you. Yeah, yeah, he, yes. he's been in LA. 
stay for some time. I need to ask you though, during those days, who did who were you more impressed with, Chris or Toyota? Which one more fearsome team when you're gonna play against them? Yeah, Toyota. good question. Toyota. And the reason why, more than anything else, is because of Jaworski. Because okay. Jaworski, Jaworski would not let them lose. I mean, you know, it, it was just one of those kind of things that <laughs> I don't want to say, okay, if they were on my team, they would be if, if they were on my team, they'd be very physical players. But since they're on the other team, they're dirty players. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so they, very well you know, said. You know, they came at you in a way that you know you have to do the amazing things to beat them. You know, but they're the ones that had the aggression more than any other team. You know, Toyota came; they came after you. You know, Abe King. Oh my God! You know, he was another one that just you know he's not gonna back down. He'd rather fight than, than score a basket, you know. So <laughs> that, that that was the, that was he's the, over, he's like over there too. The yeah, he's over there. He's, he's in, over in there Washington. State. He's in Washington State. Yeah. I mean, oh, who? I'm I'm the king. I'm the king oh, there really? in Washington State. Yeah, yeah. he also guessed uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah. All those guys are over here in this way. That's nice. Yeah. 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 There's so many of yeah. so many of the former players are there in the states actually. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about another Toyota player who, you know, passed on uh, several years ago, Arnie Twadless. Uh, what was really? it like going against him? Yeah, he he, he passed away. Yeah, it was well, a that was very tragic. More, more, uh, than, more, more tragic. than ten years ago, it was a tragic. Yeah, Twenty yeah. years ago, he was he was shot actually uh, yeah, overnight. It's a very yeah, it's a very tragic uh, uh, accident uh, incident, but. What do you remember about playing against him? Because many of the former players and imports who we interviewed had uh, very interesting things to say about his playing style. He was kind of, okay, first of all, I don't think he played to his potential. Okay. okay. Yeah, because okay. He, had, he, he, was, he was very, very inconsistent, but he was very, very skilled. And it just seemed like he always had something on his mind. He never seemed like he was really into the games to me. You know, even though some games he had great games, but it mm -hmm. just seemed like he just was not sure how good he really was. You know, and, and with him being on the Toyota team, you know, he had so many other guys, you know, with, Twyla, you know, with, with you know, Fernandez, Jaworski, Arnott, you know, they were the, like, they were the mainstays. And then he was like that guy that was kind of lingering and he let himself linger instead of just, opening up and saying, hey, look, I'm going to take over, you know, and then you see those flashes every now and then, you know, but he just, he just never, to me, rose to his potential, you know, that, that was the thing yeah, about him, yeah. but he was, just, but he was scary because, you know, if he, if he lets loose, he was going to just destroy people. You right, because he did. He did have games. He'd suddenly score 40 points, you know, Yeah, and, exactly. and, 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 and it would look effortless for him. Yeah, that's how he, that's that's, how he that's, was. That's how he was. It's you know it's the funny thing about our our, our chat uh, today, Coach. So many of the guys, I, I just realized a lot of the guys that we mentioned have passed away. You know, and it, it's it's uh, <laughs> makes no really. It, no, it makes no. it makes you think. It makes you think yeah. how yeah. how things are, how things have been. You know, I mean, we talked about Anthony Desalia. We talked about you know, now Artie Twadless and, and a couple of other Bang. guys. You you mentioned you mentioned Sky King. You mentioned Lou Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you know, and they're, they're all not with us anymore, and so. And you have to live the, I just say, live the life your fullest, but you know, you, you be careful, but you just don't, you, 
you know, we could do this interview now and tomorrow morning, you know, you just never know. Right, right. Knock on wood, yeah. yeah. No, I'm knocking on wood right now. Knock on it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For all of us, for all of us. Sid, yeah. I know you have some questions for Coach uh, Glenn. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, we wrap up all of our uh, episodes with uh, the same question, uh, Coach Glenn. Who are your five favorite teammates uh, when you were here in the PBA? Local. Yeah, yeah, local. Local. Yeah, and then local. I guess your best import teammate as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, one. One. Living Bang, Boggs. Let's see. <laughs> it's always tough. It is. Fritz would be definitely one. Fritz, okay. That's three. Rudolph Kutch. Okay. Boy, Kutch. And then Ricky Panetta. Ricky Pereira. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good list. Those would be those would be my five that I could yeah. I probably I probably left somebody off that definitely she could have been in there. So but uh -huh. the, those would be my five I could think of right offhand. And, and how about the import? Your, your favorite import uh tandem teammate. It would have to be Aaron. Aaron James. Aaron James. Okay. Aaron okay. James, you know. Because Aaron came ready every single night, you know, because mm -hmm. you know, I only had to, I only played with the two, Snake and Eddie. I mean, Snake, that's right. That's right. Snake was extremely, extremely talented, but I never knew what I was going to get from with Snake. You know, <laughs> I, was yeah. just, I was just never certain, you know, Aaron, I knew just because since Aaron had been in the NBA and Aaron was a starter for, you know, for New Orleans when he, when he was in the NBA. And, uh -huh. you know, so I knew his mentality, you know, game time. Not what he was going to come with, you know. So I had, I'd say Aaron's. Fortunately, when I won championship with both of them, so that that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so, so I was just going to ask you. Aside from Francois White, who were the imports that you brought over here, or that you coached? Oh, we had um, Francois. We had James Robinson. James Robinson. Uh, I just talked to him. You know, this way, I'll be losing names. Gotta be, I'm names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've been we've been working your memory for two hours, Coach. So it's yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, what was his name? The little point guard I had. I had a point guard that was really he was good. I can't remember his name. Not Leroy Jackson, right? Yeah, yeah Leroy's the other one. But there was another one. I had a point guard. Julius uh, Wayne. Julius Wayne. Julius there you go. Yeah. Yeah, Julius that, that was the other one. Then Thank I you, had, Jay Mercado. Yeah. And then Daryl Allen. Daryl Allen, he was a big, you know. Then we had another with Francois. And then we had um, George Trapp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John Casmer. I think that's it. I think those are the, the ones that. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because we had, because we already played two at a time, remember? Yeah, we could play. We could play two imports at a time. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Pretty pretty decent. I know Leroy. Leroy was a, a phenomenal player. He was about actually named the dog after him. He was. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember him so well. I, I named my dog Leroy. <laughs> no, but he was he was special. He, he was special. He was, special too. he was about as big, yeah, before, as big as a toothpick. He was big as a toothpick. 
but, but, uh, <laughs> but my God, he was—he just had talent. He, he was he was wiry and just fearful, you know. He just go after you. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> I have, I have right, a question. Can I just, yeah, I just I want to bring this in? Uh, the Long Beach State team was always called the 49ers. I think I heard recently they changed their name to the Beach. How do you feel about that? I don't. I don't, I don't like it at all. You know, I, 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 nobody really likes it. The younger people, I guess they're all for it because, you know, now everything's politically correct. You know, the 49ers, they were, you know, they, they were like slaves and, you know, and all this stuff, you know. And so, uh, but most of us are like, at first they're talking about the, the, the shark, just call them the shark. And now they said, just, it's just, we're just called beach, not even the beach. It's just beach, uh, you know, but no. So it's the Long Beach, the Long Beach State Beach. beach. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. They changed it because it was Cal State University Long Beach. Uh -huh. Now they changed the name to Long Beach State. You know, so so it's Long Beach State University instead of Cal State University Long Beach, and then it's Beach. The baseball team gets to keep their their name as the, the, the dirt bags. Okay. You know, so. Yeah. So, so when I when I read about that, that when I was about to, when we were going to interview Francois, I read about that and I said, no, he doesn't like it either. No, Francois doesn't like it either. No, they changed. It was bad enough. They changed the color from brown and gold to black and gold. It's just, yeah. it's just constantly doing something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But well, anyway, you know, I just, sign I of the times. Sign of the times. Yeah, I still wear my brown and gold. I still wear, I have a hat with brown and gold. And I just, every now and then I'll throw it on. And we don't have the mascot anymore. So every now and then I'll put my shirt that with, with the old mascot and go to the games. And they're like, Glenn, you know, no, 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 no. I'm old school. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh-huh. That's well, right. Glenn, you know, we're going to have to wrap up the show. You know, our title, the title of our show is An Eternity of Basketball. We wish we had an eternity to talk to you. That would be really cool. But uh, you know what? I just want to wrap things up by going through your entire journey from Long Beach State. And then you go to the NBA second year, you win a championship, and you play a critical role in one of the pivotal games in that series. You come over to the Philippines, immediately win a championship, and you leave a lasting legacy in basketball. My question, my final question to you is how does Glenn McDonald want to be remembered in the world of basketball? I just want to be remembered as somebody that, that people could rely on. You know, uh, honestly, uh, not just as a player, but as a person in general, you know, that if, if someone needs me, you know, I'm, I'm really good with, uh, with students and, you know, different people just giving suggestions or, you know, people come to me constantly, you know, just for advice. And I'm, they, they know that I'm going to give them the true answer. You know, I'm not, whatever they ask me, they know that, well, even if it hurts, Glenn's going to tell me what he really feels. And, um, that's just the thing about me. I just want people to understand that, you know, I'm, I'm just a normal person, you know, dedicated to whatever I do and um, whatever I can do to help other people, I'm going to do. That's you great. People here in the Philippines. Basketball career, yeah. Yeah, people Go in the ahead, Philippines Tony. remember you. They remember you very much, uh, Coach Glenn. You know, the, the fans were, ex were excited to have you uh, on this show and then we were we're really anticipating having you here as well. So, so great. There are lots of memories from Glenn McDonald here in the. I just, I just appreciate you giving me a chance to, you know, be on the show. Was, you know, I never didn't know what it was going to be like. This was, this was great. This was 
<laughs> it was. Thank you. It was. Thank you for so thank you for being on the show. If we can get some more people on it, you know, that'd be perfect. That'd be great. No, and you're yeah. getting bugs on the show for us. So, you know, thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. We've been <laughs> trying to get that. Bugs on the show for months, and all it took was a Glenn McDonald appearance, and, and Bugs is coming that's, on. That's great. Yeah. Thank you that's for my, that. That's my boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, also, Glenn, do you want to say uh, a thank you or, or say hi to anybody uh, or, or just give credit to the, the, the whole journey from the NBA to the Philippines? Are there people that you want to acknowledge because you had such a great journey? I think it's, it's just, I don't have any particular names. It's just the people that were involved in my life, you know, it, it all, you know, being good to me. And I've just been blessed, you know, to have met such, you know, genuine people that really care about me and, you know, want to see how everything's going with me. So I just thank all those people from when I came to the Philippines, when I came back to the States, you know, just like my college teammates and, it's been, it's been, it's just been great. You know, um, I, I can't complain about anything within my life, you know, with my family and everything else. So I just have to say thank you to those who are, have been involved in my life. All right. All right. Thank you very much. You know, that's been a, it's been a wonderful having you on. And you know, guys, before we close, I just want to say probably Glenn can't think of an NBA player who plays like Glenn McDonald, but I know of a PBA player who reminds me of Glenn McDonald. And I'm going to segue to that because his jersey is up for the auction right now. We are trying to raise funds for our uh, sports broadcasting and production personnel who have been sidelined because of this pandemic. We haven't had work for a long time, so we have been doing an auction. And the guy I remember who plays like Glenn McDonald in the PBA is the guy who wore this for the Philippines. You guys know who the – number 10, Philippines – Who's that? Number 10 in the Philippines. Uh, his name is Gabe Norwood. Two-way player. Excellent two-way player. Great offensive player. Great defensive player. And his jersey is now going up for auction. It's a signed jersey. Gilas Filipinas. Watch this kid, uh, Glenn. Reminds me a lot about you. And probably uh, you, you'll see the similarities. His name is Gabe Norwood. He played for the Final Four. Yeah. He led George Mason to the Final Four, I think, in oh. 2006. Yeah, George Mason University. Yeah, okay. He played there. Okay. Yeah. So his jersey is going up for auction. I'm going to post it at the end of the show where you can actually bid for this. We do have – we've been getting a lot of bids for the Jeff Chan jersey, uh, the Jeff Chan uniform the past couple of days. But right now we do have this Gabe Norwood uh, Gilas practice jersey, which he has signed. I don't know if you can see it, but he signed this already. This is going up for auction right now. So the Gabe Norwood, captain of the national team – Gila's uh, jersey is going up for bids. Uh, now that I have the screen on to myself, here it is. Once again, here it is. The Gabe Norwood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, it's got a signature on it. Yeah, it's got a signature on it. Okay. So this is the Gabe Norwood Gila's jersey. It's going up for bids. So we're going to announce that later on. Once again, we, before we close the show, we'd like to thank Glenn McDonald for sharing your incredible journey with us. The first NBA champion to win a PBA title. Um, Glenn, thank you very much for being on the show. We appreciate the time and, and thank you for reminiscing with us. This has been great. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, maybe I can come back again. Yeah, sure. Of course. You'll always be welcome. Yeah. You'll always be welcome uh, on the show. And, and maybe you can just bring in Aaron James as well. Maybe we'll get back on there once the Celtics win the championship this year. <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. 
I don't know. I don't yeah. know about that. Let's see. I don't know. Okay. I think about yeah. it. Charlie's having a hard time smiling. Yeah. 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 That's the plan. Okay. All right, guys. That, that that's all we that's all the time we have. We've got a little overtime, of course, with Glenn McDonald. Thank you very much. And uh, of course, this coming Tuesday, we do have another uh, episode of an eternity of basketball. We'd like to thank, of course, our partners here, uh, Globally Ballin, for uh, joining our team. Uh, and uh, Globally Ballin, uh, Globally Ballin Network, that's where you will be finding an eternity of basketball. Of course, just a reminder again to everybody that you can uh, uh, find this show, uh, including some of the old episodes uh, in audio form on Spotify by simply searching an eternity of basketball on the search bar. There it is right there. And now you can take us on the go and never miss an episode. So check it out today, An Eternity of Basketball is now on Spotify. So that's all the time we have for An Eternity of Basketball for this morning. Thank you very much, Glenn McDonald. And on behalf of my uh, partners, Sid Ventura, attorney Charlie Kuna, on Tuesday, we will be having one of the enforcers ng PBA. Isa mga pinakamabigat na malalaro. In fact, the Joe Cantada called him the mini enforcer at one point in his career. We will be having on Tuesday, August 11th at 6 p.m. Philippine time, Onchi de la Cruz will be guesting on an eternity of basketball. So one of the enforcers of the PBA. It's going to be a very physical episode, and we hope to have all of you there. For Glenn McDonald, for Sid Ventura, and attorney Charlie Kuna, my name is Noel Zarate. Thank you once again for joining us Thanks, on an eternity of basketball. Everybody, have a safe weekend. All right, Coach. All right, Take care. Coach. That concludes this episode of An Eternity of Basketball. As a reminder for this show and others like it and projects like it, go to globallyballin.com as well as follow Globally Ballin on all social media, including facebook.com slash globallyballin, Twitter at globallyballin, and Instagram. You can also follow this show directly at An Eternity of Basketball on Instagram or Facebook.com slash An Eternity of Basketball. Thank you, and make sure to catch next week's episode.